0: Radio Shack? Okay. What? The 80s called.
1: Welcome to the Coco Nation. The world's first live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins.
2: And, and I think we're, we're live. live.
3: Hopefully, Hopefully somebody, somebody can, hear me, can hear me. Oh, we, have, oh, we Okay. Have, yeah. Hey, hey, uh, I, uh, I apologize, but I'm an engineer for your the show and I kinda at this. So uh expect, expect screw, screw us. us. Anyway, yeah. anyway. Um uh, uh, anybody anybody hear hear me can? out there? I
4: yeah. can hear you, but there's there's uh like a background roomy noise. Yeah, I'm yeah, there's air
3: screen right in the corner. Yeah, yeah, now turn it off here in a minute. Okay,
5: okay. I can't hear you on there, yes. I don't I don't hear any complaints and can't hear me from the comments. So
3: uh let's do uh introductions. So, so um, let's, let's see. In the upper left corner, corner. that's that's first my personal login in in camera. camera. That wait, wait. And, <laughs> and down, down. <laughs> that would be Mark's hand. Yes, Mark's <laughs> hand. yes, Mark's <laughs> hand. Bluey across, Bluey across the top, across the top. Have we have Rick Huland. Huland. So
4: Are we hearing him? hearing him? No, I didn't hear Rick. Uh,
0: uh, mm-hmm. oh, oh, let me let me uh, fix my own technical problems. I have no flowers, but I have sound now. I guess. Okay, 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 hopefully we heard
3: that. Static and echo. Yep, that was the we'll same thing I heard. Mark, Mark Seagulls doesn't, doesn't hear, a hear a lot of you. Okay, okay. Uh, up next, next is, waters. is waters.
6: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the disaster.
7: And then...
4: Yeah, they're hearing major oh, echo according to David.
8: That's, 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 that's right, 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 right. Okay. Greetings and sanitations to everyone in the Cocoa Nation.
9: Okay. Okay. Moving, now, moving on. Ron Ron hey, it's Rondelux out hey, here Ronda in Lux. Arizona. How you doing? Glad, Glad to have you, Ron. L. Curtis, L- Curtis Boyle.
4: Boyle. Welcome to the show, everyone. Do you have any idea why this echo roomy noise is happening, Mark, or something you're going to try to figure
6: it out? I don't hear it. Okay. It's not coming through on our side. It's coming through over the it's stream. It's coming though. through on the stream. Oops. Oops. Okay. Okay. Usually,
1: usually, usually something
3: means something is. Uh, uh, it, could it, it could be. It microphone, microphone loops stream and I'll do this out. in a minute. Okay. Okay. I'll be I'll silent. Be silent. Uh, uh, next, up, next up, Jason, Jason the Coco man. man. Hello,
10: hello, and I've got my magnifier hat ready to go in uh, in honor of our streamer today, Marco. I left, I left mine, off. mine
2: off.
3: And, and up next, up next, Brian, Brian Weiser.
1: Hello, all. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Brian. thank you, Brian. And a, a rare, rare video appearance, appearance, appearance by Alan from Silent Paradise.
11: Howdy, everybody. And his cat. And, and his nice cat. yes, hello, Gizmo. Alan, hi. Nice,
3: cat.
1: nice cat. Gizmo. Hi, Gizmo.
3: Up, Up next, next is, uh, Bob Emery, Emery otherwise known as Fire Bob. Bob.
5: Greetings, everyone. You're a little, <laughs> you're a
3: little low there <laughs> on the voice. voice.
5: More Thank commonly referred much. to as Bob, uh, Coconut Bob, and
3: Coconut and Bob, on yeah, 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 yeah. this Discord.
5: Okay. Okay. Turn your, Turn volume. your volume up. Uh, uh, and yeah,
3: and finally, Kevin Holloway. Hello, everybody. Glad to Glad be, be. here,
4: Ken. And Mark, I just I don't know if you've been watching the uh, comments here, but it sounds like it's just you echoing now.
6: Oh, just, <laughs> oh, just me. Yeah,
3: it's, yeah probably it's probably this microphone being looped back through OBS. OBS and, and, yeah, yeah, I'll try I'll not to use it. Same
6: problem Sloopy always has on the live thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I've, I've only, only been using new
3: OBS, OBS for a little bit, so.
0: Have I just created a problem?
3: No. With my... No. Okay. Okay. No. okay. So,
0: Curtis, so, Curtis, Curtis you want to lead, the, lead next the, next segment? the next segment?
4: Well, I think the next segment is going to be Mr. Brian Weasler, because he's got some stuff to show off. Excellent. Excellent.
3: I'm going to mute this mute microphone, microphone and, and go full, full screen and put Ryan and Brian up as the feature, speaker.
4: speaker. Okay. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I'm just waiting for him to zoom you up.
6: Um, And all the audio problems went away as soon as you muted that microphone, by the way. Yeah, Mark, I'm
3: sure it did. Oh, you can still hear me. It's picking up from someone. Hmm. Okay, I'm trying to spotlight him here. I'm just kind of new at this, so. Oh, that's right. There's a little thing here. Oh, there we go. Spotlight for everyone.
1: Does that work? Yep. There you go. Now you can see my big melon. That's not a Christmas tree, do we see? Yeah, uh, it worked. Uh, oh,
3: no, there we go. <laughs> not a
8: Christmas tree. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> On the other <laughs> side. <laughs> Take it away, Brian.
1: So, anyway. Um, yeah, so the first thing I'd like to show you here is uh, Henry R had reached out to me and asked me if I'd be interested in this particular item. Um, and uh, after looking at it, I was uh, very interested in the item here. So, let me switch cameras and I'll show you what i'm talking about that i got from henry it'll all be very familiar to everybody
4: oh the black version of the birkenberg
0: Woo-hoo. yeah <laughs> old
1: school yeah, i had the gold one yeah that's what i was going to uh to talk to everybody about Um, uh, one of the things i and you'll see where i'm uh coming from here in a moment but yeah so yeah this was the black version of the uh of it. I, I really like it with this uh black, I don't know if this is like a black analyzed aluminum, I believe it might be. Um yeah. and uh, uh it has the card there. I already loosened some of the screws. Well, here we can kinda we'll take a little visual tour here so you can see the uh oops, there we are. If there's,
4: there's one the thing we have in this show, it's a lot of loose screws, but go ahead.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's the interface card here. With the and clock. All, with the yep, this has the clock on it, yep. And then, of course, the Western Digital Drive uh, is on the inside here, just flat on the back here. So, um, so if
9: you put your ear to that, you will not hear ticking.
1: Not hear kicking. Ticking. It's not. The battery's dead. The battery's dead. Okay.
10: <laughs> I-, I thought you heard the ocean. I
1: already loosened a couple of the screws here, so let me uh, – we can take a look on the inside here. Ooh. Ah. There we go. Uh, coming into True focus here for everybody. Whoops. Yep. Let me bring her back down here.
0: Uh, take off. Now we're going to view it from Orbit.
1: <laughs> there we go. There. Nice. That looks a little better. So, yep. So the uh, when you bought the interface uh, from Burke. And Burke what you would have received here, I don't, I'm not sure if you sold it with the Western Digital or if you had to buy that separate.
4: Back Usually, you had to buy that separate because there was a bunch of different ones you could use. You can get RLL controllers, MFM controllers, different brands. Okay, so yeah, just I like mine. I bought independent because I got an RLL one. So
1: okay, there we'll get this thing angled right here. So yeah, so the board that he that he made here was this interface board here, um, and um, this one here is the one that has the real time clock on it uh indicated by the uh, by the battery and then this little circuit over here I think is what makes up the real time clock. The um Dallas clock. Um it he usually it, saw yeah, them with yeah.
4: smartwatches I thought but maybe maybe this earlier one didn't.
1: Yeah. yeah no yeah, this this, this the, was yeah this, this is a Dallas a f- DS twelve fifteen DS twelve fifteen it's Dallas semiconductor. The, yep. And then the cool. DS twelve is the chip that's on top there. You know which or one that is Rick right off in the different. top of
4: your head?
0: It, well, it's obviously, it's the bus interface when with an external battery, which is why this was a great clock to have, because you just kept chucking batteries in it every
4: couple of years. Yeah, the smartwatch I had had the battery <laughs> built in the chip, and once it's dead, replaced the whole darn thing. That, right. That's right.
11: what I wanted to ask, is what am I looking at? Is this literally an ISA card bus?
4: Adapter, basically, yes. 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 yes.
1: Awesome.
4: Yep, so yeah, the... 8-bit eight, eight, eight really, XT adapter, I should say, not a full 60-bit yeah, ISO. Yeah, XT, yeah.
1: And from what I understand, really the only thing really was was this little TTL chip here because the rest was just a pass-through on the bus and everything was driven from the driver. Is that correct? The the the, the driver in OS9 is what actually did the talking to...
4: Yeah, basically his, his interface, like I think the XT bus has extra address lines because of course the PC had up to 1 meg addressable RAM, so basically just remapped the IO into the IO space and the cocoa. And that's mainly what it's doing. Mm-hmm.
9: What's, the, what's the empty header for
1: here? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that that oh, might've been for another drive the second, there. Second yep. drive. Yep. Yeah. This one's labeled here as DR. I think it's DR zero is what I see. Yeah, you have DR zero on the backside and this would be
4: DR one. Yeah. Cause every, every IBM PC XT hard drive could handle up to two hard drives.
0: Right. The big cable has a second connector on it, and you had two separate um, control cables.
9: And the only other question I would have is, what are the missing chips for?
1: Missing chips on the main
4: XT board. That depends on right, the manufacturer. Right. I don't right. know.
1: Right. Yeah, that might have been the manufacturer. This this was an off the shelf item here. <clears throat> this is what this is what Chris built.
4: Yeah. Correct.
1: Bergenberg. Yep.
11: The empty pins might be more ROM. Because some of those cards back then for those drives came with additional expansion ROMs with more DOS features and things like that on it.
4: Yeah, or to get past the 128 or the 32 barrier, and older DOS. Could be cash chip. At one point. I... But I miss, I miss the ones that actually had a, a battery you could replace.
9: Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, for people that uh, don't know it or not, uh, when you accessed your hard drive, the hard drive had uh, what? um little little drives thousands of little drives on it it wasn't just uh an open drive to fill right correct or no tell no. me no
4: it was well, wasn't it? Oh, like are you talking about like running it from rs dos like uh what was that uh, yeah, like, you know, most called?
9: people will get a hard drive interface and think oh i can hook a hard drive up to it and put all my floppies on there you know, yeah,
4: just like, yeah, uh, if, if you had RGB DOS or what is a uh, Birkenberg's Hyper IO, I think it was called a uh, little ROM right. upgrade, then yeah, you could. Chris also offered the option for OS9 people. He had a XT, uh, I can't really call it, auto boot ROM, basically, that he would actually boot Uh and it had two alternate boots. You could hold down the alt key to switch which one and you could actually boot it right from power. If you didn't have to do anything, you didn't have to type DOS, you didn't have to do anything at all. It just auto booted. I don't think this particular one has that, though.
0: No, but that was, that was my jam. That was my first hard drive controller. the Me Black, black the Slab one, yeah. XT. Yeah.
4: And I got the auto-boot ROM and the uh, the real-time clock. And I even had a uh, special ROM that Frank Hogg and Chris did for the TC9. So I could actually auto-boot it right off of the TC9 as well.
9: Now, what about the uh, color computer controller for hard drives and, uh, you know, like the 5 meg?
4: Um, you mean the Radio Shack by, Tandy one? Yeah. How did that work? Yeah. That was a really was, old technology using Sassy. Yeah. It was slower. Well, um,
0: what, what Tandy actually did was they made the equivalent of the Burke and Burke board. It was a little three chip wonder that converted the Cocoa Bus to their quasi Sassy thing. But then there was another computer in that five meg drive case that did all the actual work a standalone computer, just like a Commodore floppy drive. <laughs> it actually did all of the hard drive interface and there was actually just mfm drives inside
9: that's neat to know
0: so you could replace yeah. the you could take a broken Tandy hard drive and put an mfm drive in it and fix it huh. uh,
4: yeah if you could afford one because if you bought one of the five make primaries <laughs> they were like what a couple grand <laughs>
0: <laughs> just so
9: so um does anybody know if burke and burke was burke and his wife or burke and his brother or just burke and his wife
4: ex-wife now oh trish and uh chris yeah and chris uh he worked at motorola actually at the time he was doing this stuff so
0: yeah the inside news
4: was he
9: someone (laughs) we could have on the
0: show or no
4: um i think we've asked him and i he didn't sound too interested last time we asked him He's, he's active on Facebook every once in a while. He actually was doing some other hardware stuff, and then he kind of disappeared. I should mention, too, his little adapter board here. He actually had a couple other products in the works, too, not just hard drives. He actually had a Logitech uh, ScanMan scanner he wrote a driver for. You could actually – that's the one you kind of rolled across the paper to scan in an image. And he actually had that running on the CoCo at one of the uh, Rainbow Fests.
1: Oh, oh
9: he'd be, cool. be great to interview, wouldn't he?
1: Yep. Yeah, he would. So yeah, this is the this is the black one here that I got from uh, uh, from Henry. Um, but with that though, and I think this is the one maybe Chris or that you're talking about here. So here's the other version.
4: Yeah, that's what uh, I have
1: of, of the case here, and uh, a little bit cleaner line. This one here is kind of bent. Where this one, the the black one, the uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to come through mm-hmm. on the camera or not. Well, not really this side was wider and this side actually was kind of pin- was, was was narrower. So it fit into the ROM socket. So the, the, the case actually kind of was wedge shaped a little bit. Uh, this one here has a little bit of a step on it right here. So you get the, you got the ROM cartridge side and then you got the interface side here. Um, let me open this one up. This one doesn't require any screws. This one's actually kind of snap fit here with these. Uh, uh, it's not coming through very well here with these little dimples. <laughs> so you get a, get a screwdriver underneath here and it'll, pop right open. Let me walk it open here. There it goes. One more on this side. There we go. And so this one here shows the other board that was available where it's just the uh just the interface board, no uh no real-time clock. Just but the circuitry is still there though. The uh if you see right here, here's where the Dallas trees so, oh.
4: your, there your bandwidth just crashed Brian
0: uh yeah he went away
9: He shouldn't have touched that chip
0: I <laughs> yeah. guess he needed that real-time clock to uh, <laughs> keep the, the stream going yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh
4: come on back.
1: okay am I back now
4: Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah a little choppy, but try it.
1: Hello? There, there we go. Okay. That's this. this...
4: Well, no, nope, you're still chopping up. Intermittent.
1: That's why I haven't been able to host it.
4: We're getting like three or four words and then a long pause and then another three How's or four exact-
1: words. Am uh, I buffering a little bit?
4: Uh, More than a little bit.
1: Oh, okay. Shoot. Take
9: that Cocoa 2 off and put a Cocoa 3 on.
4: Pause Netflix on your
1: local. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, no, nothing, nothing going on right now that I'm aware of.
4: No, now you're fine. Uh, yeah, now you're seem to be okay. But the video quality or... went down, but I think your your audio is coming through. So you can go ahead and try talking again. Okay. Right. Okay. So this
1: one here also has that has that Western Digital uh, controller on it, um, like the other one did. Um, but you can see here, as I was talking about, you can see where the battery would go. There's even the the plus and minus. So this was the other version of the chip. That was there. And this one here even has a little step off on the side right here because this would have been a card that would have been used it could have been used in an IBM PC where you would put it into the bus. And so this one had the little standoff right there to kind of support it. And you still would have your ribbon cables coming out from the top right here. But yeah, this, this case, it looks kind of gold, but it, it looks silver, but when you hold the when you hold it at the right angle, it looks kind of goldish. And other times it looks kind of silver. I don't know if that's normal.
4: So. For me, it, it always looked gold when I had it, but maybe, maybe it had different finishes or something. And, and maybe there was,
1: yeah, maybe there was a different finish
4: there, yeah. right?
1: And then the very last
0: one was a really sad little stamped out of.
1: Okay, and as uh, Ron just, he's got one. Of course, he's <laughs> got one. There we go. Of course, he's got one. This is talking about. <laughs> How does he you not know. have one? <laughs> so yes. Uh, <laughs> As Rick was talking about, yeah, this one here was different. I'm not sure if, that was, if this would have been later in the in the process that he used this here. Yeah, it's that kind was. Of, it's kind that of was when mobile. all the all
0: the good cases were gone, and this is what.
1: So, yeah, so this here it looks like it was like I hate to say it because I mean it is nice though, but it almost looks like it was something that he had to manufacture himself. It just doesn't have that clean machine bins and things like that, but uh, it's still a nice case though. Uh, it's Work. all cut out nicely. But this one doesn't have the board in it, though, but the board would have sat. Uh, uh, let's see here. Where did
4: I lay that other one? There on,
9: there's no lettering on it either, is there?
1: No, nope, nope, there's no lettering at all.
4: No, I think at this point, Chris was trying to cut costs just to keep the product going a bit longer.
1: Yep. So let's see, this would have been the bottom of the case here, I believe. Yep, here we go. This would have been the bottom. And your board would have sat in it like this here.
4: Yeah, because this is around the time he was trying to do that 68,000 or 68306, what did he call it, Rick, uh, that booster card he's doing. Oh, oh,
9: yeah. Let me ask you, do, do you think he got divorced between this version and the last version?
4: That's
9: <laughs> 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 not nice. Well, you just wonder.
4: So you can ask to... him, he's on Facebook, Ron.
9: Is he really? Okay. Come on in, tell us.
1: So yeah, as Rick was kind of showing, yeah, this was another case here. And and like I said, maybe all the good cases were were hard to get or very expensive to to get. And so it's still a nice case though. Um, It certainly gave for a nice enclosure for the board and everything. And uh, along those lines, um, we've already seen the interfaces, but I I would just show them separately. Um, I also uh, haven't, these are, these are brand new. They've never been, never been installed. I also have a couple of the board, the interface boards themselves. Ooh. So here's the um, here's the one with the real time clock. And uh, whoops, well, we're now, bag, how though. would you
9: come across these? Do they come with a bunch of stuff, or
1: uh, no? There was, this was a person probably three years ago, I think. That's been um, and uh, he had one how item could you that he e- listed.
10: Expect him to remember <laughs>
1: <laughs> with um, all the
10: with all those items in the in the uh, the. Uh, Brian Weasler warehouse,
1: right? <laughs> um there was a guy that reached out to me. I was, uh, we were he one of I wanted a particular item and we started talking and he had actually picked up a whole lot. And uh, so we started talking about all the different items and this was uh, this was in 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 with it. Um, along with uh, let me open up the other bag here. Some of these bags are so challenging to get open.
9: Well, you see, he least. did remember.
1: So, here's the and then here's the uh, here's the other one without the uh, without the real time clock. So this would have been both versions of the uh, of the uh, the interface. And I'm not sure if they were nice. sold separately because uh, I got uh, the this case right here and this all came as part of the same the same set. So I'm not sure if maybe uh, this would just ship separately like this. But uh, yeah. And even still had the battery too, wrapped nicely in some. There's, <laughs> <laughs> there's no
9: lettering on it or anything.
1: What's that? Turn them turn them over. There's no lettering on the circuit board. On the circuit boards themselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, oh, no. Subscreen cost more back then.
1: Right. Let's see here. Um, there is a little bit right here in the corner, right here. It says copyright 1988, Burke and Burke, Coco XT, uh, RTC, Rev Zero.
0: But that's not subscreen, that's actually copper.
1: Correct. So, yep. <laughs> to yeah. save
0: buying a sunscreen layer.
1: <laughs> right. But both boards are the same, as I talked about before. It was just whether or not the real-time clock chips were added to it.
4: Hmm. Yeah, and if I remember, Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the auto boot ROMs actually went into the ROM socket on the XT controller, didn't they?
0: Right, it was the boot ROM in the XT controller,
4: exactly. Yeah, you swapped the PC one out and put a useful one in there. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> okay. Does any, anybody else have any questions about these items? If not, I'll show the one last thing that I was going to share with everybody. Can I have it? Can I have yeah.
4: it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, just for those who wanted to know, um, because I mean, if you remember the back in the PC days, there was a bunch of hard drive size limits. There was a 32-meg limited MS-DOS up to a certain version. But uh, the XT interface stuff there that the Burke and Burke hookups to allows you to hook up to two up to 128-meg drives on each.
1: Oh, okay.
10: Who would ever need any more space than that?
1: Right. <laughs> you can't even sell, sell, save an Excel spreadsheet now, these days, can you? <laughs>
9: well, how much of the drive do you actually use when you're using uh, either OS 9 or RS DOS?
4: Well, you, you right now is, I think, close to half full of 120 meg image. And once we start adding all the other programs, and they're like desk mates and you could fill everything it else that's missing try. yeah we will probably be getting pretty close to full fantastic
1: So back to kind of my original question so I showed a black case the 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 uh, silver gold case and then then uh, this last case here do you guys know the timeline? that the timeline or at least the order in which they came was the black one the first and then the, the aluminum or do you guys know
0: yeah you were you were in order the okay. black one was first and then the nice stamped one. Mm-hmm. As I recall, and then that last one was like Curtis yeah. said, just to finish out the line.
1: Okay. Was there any other cases that anybody remembers that might have been out there?
4: Not that I remember seeing, but no. Okay. I, I think some people might have made homemade ones at one point, or in my DC- case, my TC9. I just I didn't have a case at all. I just put the boards right into the mini tower case. Right.
0: I've probably had ten of these things, and you have all the three cases I've ever seen.
4: Okay.
1: Because I'm assuming like it like if he would have been if you would have gone to a rainbow fest at the time, he might have been at a table just selling this board probably.
4: No, he no. usually sold the case with it.
1: Case, he I got it case, a case.
0: A manual with a nice little strap holding it together. He was pretty Yeah, I still have
1: that. Let's see here, what I do with it here. I have a I do have a couple manuals here. Let's see here. Is this what you guys are talking about? I do have a couple of these manuals. Um Yep. Yep. Whoops. Let me back up the camera a little bit here.
4: No, those I are for RSP. That's the Radio Shack Basic, which actually we okay. have it in EOU. Uh, that, so that, right.
9: that goes pretty pretty far back in time, you know, the time of the Crusades, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was cool. His manuals always fit in a Tandy binder, so if you could steal some Tandy binders, you could just yep. show them all.
4: <laughs> you couldn't put in your OSINT Level 2 binder because that was already way too full with pages as it was. Or, you
0: had to steal an extra Basic 09
4: binder or something. To, yeah, or, or, a or maybe the Multiview binder or something. For that.
0: Basic, yeah. <laughs>
9: right? I always uh, saw the Burke and Burke on the um ad. Never saw 3D till today.
4: Yeah. Well I remember when Burke and Burke when they really took off with sales because their solution was so much cheaper. Everybody else was selling SCSI and or the you know, Tandy was selling the sassy drives, and they were, you know, hundreds of dollars more than you could get a Burke and Burke with an XT control because XT was like bulk manufactured for PCs. And I remember his ads actually said 1988 is the year of the hard drive for the Coco, because uh, that's when sales took off, and he was selling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them.
9: So do you think he's English, Scottish, or?
4: He's on Facebook, Ron. You can ask him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you try um, to go have lunch with him, Ron? Well, you can um, ask. There you go. Is, actually, he's not he, too far from Mark Overhoser. Oh, I think he still lives out on the West Coast. Is he related to Steve.
1: <laughs> Burke? Yeah. <laughs> um the the last item I wanted to show here um kind of cocoa related but it certainly will work. Um I picked this up it was just a uh, a Tandy uh two button mouse um with the uh with, with it being serial. So okay. I'd like to I'd like to get that going there. This should easily be uh you should be able to get this easily going in uh, uh with OS9 correct. But they Yeah, uh, there's
4: a driver <laughs> for the RS232 pack you can Plug it into and then it'll uh, it'll read any serial mouse, two button mouse.
1: Okay, so it was just again I had an opportunity to pick one of them up, so I thought, oh, it nice and clean. Didn't have the box though, but still, it's uh, it was nice and clean.
9: Let's see the bottom.
1: It says Tandy. Yep, it says Tandy. Actually had a rubber si- a rubberized ball in it versus the like the steel ball, like with the. Uh... <laughs> Show us how you clean it. No, I'm not gonna check out my clean. No.
2: The <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, uh, how, how
0: about
2: try- that
11: serial number?
1: <laughs> right? Listen. Oh, no, now I gotta now I got the challenge of getting
4: the correctly.
9: The peg in the round hole.
1: There
9: you
4: yeah. go. I will mention that the uh, the early laser based mice that Microsoft sold with the serial port actually work on the Coco 2, so you don't have to use a ball one either.
1: I did forget to grab it though, but I, I also picked up a a mouse um, that's similar to this. It was one that Radio Shack uh, sold. Um, it it has it has a base on it. It's a wireless mouse, but actually uses infrared. So it had an infrared base um, that you that the mouse would would uh, send the data back and forth. But the from the base, it's still a serial connection. So I'm assuming that if this would work that that same serial connection from that infrared I think mouse would probably be. If
4: I remember correctly, some people did use that back in back in the day, like in the later Rainbow Fests, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I was going to grab that, and I, I <clears> forgot <throat> to, but uh, it's a, you know,
1: as far as the Coco's concerned, it's still serial information, and, you know, and I've assumed that yeah. it would work the same way. So I thought that
4: was I, I will cool. mention EOU does not have a default for doing serial mice, like as a pre-install swap boot thing, so you'll have to make your own custom boot file, but it definitely does work.
1: Okay, but the drivers are in there. You just, like you said, you just have to...
4: Yeah, you have to find and replace the, uh, what is it, JoyDriv, I think, with the uh, 6551 version. Okay. Oh, you also have to specify whether it's a Microsoft mouse or a mouse system slash Logitech mice, because those were three-button mice. The protocol is different, so the two drivers do not work with the the other mice.
1: Okay. Something to play with, something to learn. So, well, that's all I have for you, gentlemen, unless anybody has any questions related
4: how many more uh, store warehouses do we have to go through to finish your entire lot?
1: <laughs> I'm not even, I haven't even finished the first one yet. No.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't believe that. <laughs> so well, thank you for letting me share. Cool. That's that's good. I actually, I, I'd forgotten all about that latest, the last version of the case there. Now that you showed it, I kind of remember it, but uh, I faintly remember the black ones. And then the gold ones is the ones I saw everybody had But that later one, okay. I'd kind of forgotten about. Was the uh, was the black one maybe at a
1: time when it was more expensive, so people shied away, and then by the time the silver case came down, prices came down, so people started I, I think or, just or Chris was cheaper?
4: kind of surprised how much it took off, because, I mean, when okay. you talk to, like, a Canton mm-hmm. and others doing SCSI and stuff, they would sell maybe 20, 30 things at a fest, and Chris, like, the first year he had the XT one, I think he sold over 100. He ran out. He had to start shipping back when he got back to his office after the show type thing, and then he was just selling out every time.
1: So, the, so the, think, the, the, the money justified uh, making the better case.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I'd have to ask him, but I think he ended up selling thousands of them, probably more than just Cocoa STCs. Very nice. Cool. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, Brian. Um, so I guess next up, uh, we're going to go on for the game on challenge results. Okay. Posted by Mr. Ken, and then Slippy will talk about the live stuff if he's still around.
6: Okay.
4: Okay. You need more coffee, Ken.
6: Right here. <laughs> sure. Absolutely.
7: And now, Coco Thought by Samuel Gein. I went on a stellar odyssey and met the Cosmic Bomber. I don't understand Neutroid but I'm fighting Gladiator. I went on another odyssey, had some fried donuts too. I escaped the Dacord Zone, get confused by Neutroid too. Cause I got Nick Moranty's fever, Nick Moranty's fever The guy must be crazy, the guy must be crazy Nick Moranty's fever, Nick fever The guy is out of his mind, we must be out of his mind Nick Moranty's fever, Nick Moranty's fever The guy is out of his mind, he must be out of his mind I put all the donuts down. Angelo is angry. I can't spell rhythm now, but I make the space intruders flee. So I'm digitizing the world and ambush the other side. And there's this game that can't be identified. Cause I got Nick Moranty's fever, Nick Moranty's fever The guy must be crazy, the guy must be crazy Nick Moranty's fever, Nick Moranty's fever The guy is out of his mind, we must be out of his mind Nick Moranty's fever, Nick Moranty's fever The guy is out of his mind, he must be out of his mind I'm gonna crash through that gate, pop our pilot flight
12: Throw a waterfall, put that gun star in my sight. Is this
4: still working? Wait There's no sound. Yeah, I was just going through the stream right now. Ah, oh, well, what are we doing? Just playing back down.
7: Now Semi-Graphic Rally got several tricky pipes to plumb. Now zero hours here, donut joystick, you can use your thumb. I see Joey jumping now, dodging everything in sight. new choice 3, giving all of us a fright. Cause I got Nick Maranti's fever, Nick Maranti's fever. The guy must be crazy, the guy must be crazy. Nick Maranti's fever, Nick Maranti's fever. The guy is out of his mind, he must be out of his mind. Nick Maranti's fever, Nick Maranti's fever. The guy is out of his mind,
12: he must be out of his mind. <laughs> I'll say.
6: Samuel Gimes is definitely making up for uh, not doing videos yeah that's gotta be the longest
4: song he's ever done at least we
0: didn't have the guy in the
1: duck he must have he must have really been inspired by the quality of the game
12: I didn't hear any sound um, playing that it was just over the stream
1: we
6: could
12: uh, it was it was
0: Pac-Man fever. Don't feel bad. But
6: our voices were oh, going out okay. over the stream, just so yeah. you know. So
4: Yes.
0: Yeah.
4: That's why I was like going,
11: Oh, they're supposed to.
4: Basically, the whole song was a suck up to Nick Morenti. So, Nick, you yeah, didn't Yeah, so Nick, important. you'll have to
12: watch it <laughs> you back. You missed you'll it all. It. Yeah, I'll have to watch it back. That's right. <laughs> I thought we were meant to be praying and, and uh, idolizing it, just in in silence. Well, let's put it this way. The title of the song was Nick Moranti's Fever. Okay, I've definitely got to hear that, <laughs> or, or, or maybe I thought, not. <laughs> I, I, I thought there was a there was a there
10: was a shot for that. <laughs> <laughs>
4: get that list in front of the screen again mark seems like a good time to thank all our patrons
2: there it was (laughs) (laughs) sure
6: Welcome, everybody, to the Coco Nation Game On Challenge of the Week results video. This week we played the Pac-Man Tribute Game. We had a total of 15 players. Exile in Paradise had 5370. Ed Rhodes, 6100. Mark B, 6240. Canadian Retro Things, 7000... Ten, Mr. Dave 6309 7,330 Sloopy Malibu 12,560 8 Bits in the Basement 16,010 Jim Rye 16,180 Coconut Bob 18,780 Shenley 21,320 Sab Head 23,120 Nick Marrentis 24,450
12: L. Curtis Boyle 30,080
6: Paul Shoemaker 36,300 and the number one score this week was Tasman with 57,870 thanks everybody that played and we will see you again next week All right, so there we have the results, which included a score by Nick Marantes. I'm not sure if it was photoshopped or not. He says it was no, real one.
12: that's a real I one. I
4: don't know whether to believe him or not. I, I just like uh, the fact that Nick, because he forgot that we were streaming our live voice over top of that, was mentioning that he got beaten by me, so that was great. Yeah, was, no, I try that. Was... <laughs>
12: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm definitely – I think I posted a uh, picture I – um screenshot i took of of the game uh 10 years ago whatever that i played and it was in the 40 40 something thousands yeah but, would... yeah it goes to show over time i've lost it
6: <laughs> well your photoshop <laughs>
12: skills just are not as good as they used to be no no these weren't photoshop <laughs> I don't, the score would have been eighty seven thousand. but uh
6: so yeah pac-man was uh we had a good turnout for that one. A Pac-Man tribute. And um, yeah, I don't know what to say about it uh, for tips and tricks. We talked about it a bit last week. It's just like your regular Pac-Man.
4: Try to get any patterns you up. may
6: know, don't. Yeah, any patterns you don't, may know, don't try to use them. But uh, do try and kill as many of the uh, ghosts as you can when you eat the, the uh, power-up pellet. That's the way to get points.
12: Yep. If you can get all four ghosts all at one, um, in one session, you get up to 3,000 points.
6: And actually, when you start getting up in level a little bit, going for the
12: fruit is also a good way to build your score quickly. And fruit. Yep. The problem is that uh, as you go in the higher levels, you don't have as much time. The The ghosts revert back to chasing you much quicker. So the time to do that is in the early rounds where you get the most time to do that. But yeah, I think the game itself uh is generally as we saw harder than the original.
4: Yep, that was a general consensus from so a lot of that's, people that played a, a lot of regular. A
6: typical Nick Morantes game.
4: Yep. Yes. <laughs> Pac-Man well, extra
12: difficult tribute. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Ex- extra sweat.
4: Nick took some of his <laughs> programming cues from the European school of thought, which is to make everything pixel perfect and you know almost impossible. <laughs> At
6: least no, it wasn't it's, something it's with more, Cuthbert. It's more challenging to make you want to play it more.
4: <laughs> Does that actually work? Most people just say this. This is enough of this crap. I'm going on the next one. Actually, this one I didn't. I, I don't find it super hard. It's it's different. I never did memorize patterns for the arcade Pac-Man. So I no, I just I, mean, I just, just kind of figured out one on on Nick's that works for like you know getting rid of half the dots without ever getting hit. And it might yeah. generally do pretty yeah. good. Oh, by well, the well, end well, of it,
6: I could uh, stay alive for at least uh, the first 15 seconds without dying.
12: Yeah, this game uh, requires you definitely to have the uh, skills of being able to work out how to uh, outrun and outsmart the ghost um, more rather than rely on a pattern.
6: Uh, Which, there's my problem trying to outsmart something.
12: <laughs> yeah yeah trying to trying to actually outsmart them by outrunning them or or uh being able you 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 tend to look at the, the entire maze and try to work out where the ghosts are going and therefore working working out a way to escape them rather than trying to memorize a pattern that you know they're going to follow and that was something i well, I never really liked that idea in in the original pac-Man anyway so i thought that was a bit of a cop out having patterns so hence i never put patterns in yeah
4: the only thing i heard several complaints of compared to the original besides general difficulty and the fact that patterns no longer worked was well, when you're going around the corners apparently yeah, the corners, yours is much less forgiving
12: uh getting caught by yeah. ghosts than the original yeah yeah no that 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 i did uh i did uh, I, I will agree to that <laughs> <laughs> But, again, it just means you've got to be smarter at, to outrun them.
4: Now, a, a question can't... for everybody here on the panel that played it. I was just wondering, did anybody play it using keyboard controls or did everybody use joystick? I used joystick.
11: Yeah, played joystick. it on keyboard. Worked
6: really well. Okay.
4: And I'm assuming you used your brand-new pistol grip joystick.
6: Actually, for this one, I uh, used my converter and my Atari joystick.
4: Oh,
12: okay. I thought you would have tried the
6: I did try it with the pistol grip, but I found actually the uh digital Atari joystick was better.
12: Because okay. that uh pistol grip is still an analog, isn't it? It's got a fair yeah. bit of a fair bit of throw on the joystick still. It does. And so, that's not really what you want. You want something there a small throw well, to make the move. Let me tell you what you really, really, really this want This is what I was using. Oh, a, a, a very no, old. You don't Atari want the Atari
11: CX 40 style. No, no, no. What you want is don't a help. gamester. So I played um both the Pac-Man ROM and the you know the transcode kind of guy. And um the tribute Pac-Man using uh Neil's Gamester joystick. That's how you want to play it. Because it's, it's an actual tri- arcade
8: joystick.
12: he has got arcade joystick, yeah. That's you right. want yeah.
8: you want to control it with something like this.
12: Arcade control stick. Yeah. Well that's an arcade type stick. Yeah. Yeah.
11: And cornering is not too bad on uh the tribute pac-man using the gamester.
6: The only problem with your arcade kit there, Sloopy, is it's uh wrong handed for me.
8: Uh it's a kit. You make it however you want it.
6: In oh, so the... it's not all pre pre cut out.
11: The nope. gamester can be ordered for lefties too. That's yeah. Oh I okay. To yeah.
0: Well, that's the kit that just has the switches and buttons and stuff, and you make your front panel? Is that
8: yes. Yeah, it has cool. the switches, the buttons, and the adapter to connect
4: it to a PC. But this but, requires soldering, so I'll never use it, gotcha. Yeah,
8: but but I have oh, a no. Coco, not a PC. Well, connecting it to your Coco is your problem.
11: <laughs> a gamester does not have this problem.
8: As
10: helpful
4: as always.
11: <laughs> and every time I say gamester, I'm hoping Neil... Cheers, and the, the check will be bigger.
4: Eight go. bits in the basement, and in the chat, they're saying he couldn't get the joystick working in VCC. I was wondering what kind of joystick was he trying to get working.
12: Yeah, hmm. I don't know. I didn't try VCC. Did anyone notice any um, latency in the joystick response a, with the emulator? I didn't. A, no.
11: With MAME on the keyboard, sometimes there is a little bit and that's not specific to the game. Um, Most Cocoa things seem to have just a little bit of pre-roll that you need to add to a keystroke for when you want it to happen.
13: Yep.
2: And, yeah, and I
11: did notice I've... that with the Pac-Man tribute, uh, but because I always expect it when I'm trying to do the pixely perfect deep kinds of things, you know, you just kind of, you know, anticipate a little bit more. You got to lead the, the ghost a little bit more, or lead the corner a little bit more.
4: Yeah, yeah. 8 yeah. Bits of Basement said he was trying an Xbox 360 controller when he tried it and it wasn't working in VCC. And Scott Cooper says he used X RAR with keyboard controls, no issues at all. Hmm. What did you play it on, Nick? Was you playing an X RAR or, or, or Uh no?
12: n- On a real, real Coco, using a Waco. Atari style joystick works okay. really well with that.
8: Yeah, I used um, Roar with uh, keyboard and with a uh, joystick.
4: I just used yeah. Paul Fiscarelli's little adapter USB adapter for a deluxe joystick, the actual Cocoa deluxe two button joystick. And that's what I used. Nice. You can see nice.
5: the ones I used here. I, I tried various ones, but the uh, the converted Nintendo digital stick worked pretty well. The, oh, okay. the little Arduino stick that I put in a cassette box, that works surprisingly well. Even though it's analog, it has really short throw, so it's quick to make the corners. Hmm.
12: And, and Ron Delvo, many... what did you use? Dual stick. He used uh, the Force. Yes. <laughs> it's he black, used a <laughs> it's
9: black beauty or nothing.
6: He just watched the um attract mode.
9: That's good.
4: I don't really have any tips or tricks. Uh, I, I think I mentioned last week, I usually play these types of games to try to see how many of the bonus shapes I can get to. I don't usually concern myself with score trying to get like all four ghosts lined up, I find that boring. So I don't ah, generally do super well on these uh, high score on the ones that were there's some some sort of exploratory element. I usually oh, stick you with still beat Nick Barenti's. Yeah, and he publicly admitted it. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't play. I had Nick fever. <laughs> Nick doesn't even
12: understand that joke because he didn't hear the audio. <laughs> no, I didn't hear the audio. <laughs>
4: Now, uh, Nick, uh, before we were in the pre-show there, Ken was mentioning you had found some stuff on the development of Pac-Man that you might share.
12: Uh, Now I've got to look back and see. Yeah, you said you wanted to share some stuff this week. so. Let me have a quick peek. Or poke. The floor is yours. Well, I haven't found anything yet, so keep talking. Oh, Okay. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Shall we,
6: should we um, touch on the other game that we played this week? Sure. Then, which was, uh, what was that? Wizard's Den. Yeah. So this is more yeah. of an action slash
4: um, RPG
6: arcade style game or dungeon yeah. crawler
4: or something. It's yeah. it's
6: kind of a mixture of everything.
4: And it's kind of a hidden gem because that was pretty late in the Atomic's lineup. I think 86, 87 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it didn't really sell well I don't I remember seeing it but I didn't really know anything about it because it didn't really advertise it much either there was no screenshots that I remember in, in rainbow so I didn't see it until years later and I was going this is actually a really damn good game for the co-op." yeah well that's so, that
6: was kind of the reaction of a few people that uh they wish they had known about this back when it came out because it would have been one they played a lot
4: yeah so a lot of exploring in this one that's that's my favorite you get to go inside buildings and yeah dungeons and doors and try to find you know extra swords and potions and it's a pretty intricate it's kind of like a coco unique version not version of but kind of along the lines of like a zelda where you're trying to like wander through this huge landscape and trying to gather things and kill monsters etc it
6: really kind of reminded me a bit of gauntlet
4: yeah a bit or time bandit yeah which actually some of the trees and stuff actually look like they're inspired by because the graphics are similar they're not the same but they are similar
6: there was a good joke in the thing about uh, I think it was Nick was saying how he didn't like the uh, wrong color palette with the orange trees. Yeah, oh, my VCC was, was right.
4: acting weird in on that one. I would go and tell it to configure colors, it would do it, and then it and then the next VCC it again. would slap it right back. Oh, what was happening with mine is you
6: would uh, change it to the right color set, but then it wouldn't let you start the game. It would just keep going back to the uh, um the the title screen. Oh, okay, Whatever mine
4: would let me play, but it would it would just immediately, as soon as the next V-sync happened, it would slap it back, so you'd get a brief flash of the correct color, and then it would immediately oh, okay. set it back to the backwards one.
6: But uh, as as it was said in the thing, the orange trees may look ugly, but their juice is delicious. Yeah, that
4: was Mark Siegel. <laughs> <laughs> No, that that that's uh that's like a hidden gem on the I think. That particular yeah. game, it's actually very well done. There's and, a lot to it, like you won't get bored and you're you're not done in 10 minutes on that game. It's like Dragon Slayer, that's another one. So if Dragon Slayer was early enough, you actually got pictured ads from Tom Mix. I don't remember any picture ads from Wizard Den, or if there was, it was maybe one issue. So that that was a good one. I don't think Matt Harper ever did anything else, as far as I know that I've seen. Which is too bad because obviously he had good skills. Game. <laughs> yeah. 'Cause it's it's a really good game and it's um, it's not super hard so you don't get frustrated like a lot of RPGs get so monotonous and yeah, you know, kill this, kill this, kill this, kill this, and you get kind of bored if you're not into that type of game. But this one actually keeps the action going. That's why it's more of an arcade hybrid, because it's mm-hmm. it's not that boring and dull where you're just, you know, killing monsters over and over and over again. Hmm. It's one of those rare RPG style dungeon color games. Actually, the score is actually a real score. It's not just, you know, you're trying to build your party and gather some magic item to win the game or something. Yeah. That was a really good pick. Ken, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about that one.
6: Well, actually you can thank boat and Aaron for that one. Cause.
4: Oh, that's right. Yeah. So the next, it's, it's there.
6: Uh, I just did it to coincide with them for the Coco show. So, cause I actually never had heard of this. I, the first time I heard of it was when it was chosen for that show. So,
4: yeah, I mean, it's been on my site for quite a while, but I haven't had a chance to really go back to it. So, actually, I had a lot of fun going back to it. I'm going to try to concentrate on more this week here.
9: Hey, get, hey, Ken, <clears throat> I can think of a game that um, was uh, put out in July of '84 in Rainbow that we could never play. Do you know what that game would be?
6: Um, July '84 Rainbow would be. uh that would be. Curtis's the Scratch memory and Sniff that, one, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> there you go.
9: Why can we never play it? Because we, we don't have the... Scratch.
4: I still have my Scratch and Sniff, but since I already scratched and Sniffed it, it doesn't smell like anything more other than paper, so it's kind of Curtis useless. has a
6: freaky, idetic memory when it comes to stuff like that. He
9: sure does. I thought that was... a uh-oh.
6: Curtis, do you remember which page from scratch the July 84 through. that was uh, featured on?
4: Well, the Scratch and Sniff was a little insert page. You actually could tear it out if you wanted to. Mine's still in, in the magazine. but And I remember there were six squares you had to scratch. One was pine needles that smelled like pine. And then the other one, I can't remember. There was some sort of fruit. It was a banana or something. And then I don't remember the other four. I don't know if I ever won that game, actually. I kind of cheated and just scratched them all to try to figure out what the hell they were. You can't play that game with a cold. No. Nope. Or if you got <laughs> you know COVID and you got that loss of smell thing yeah. there, you can't play it either. So. It doesn't
12: smell like anything. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, did you find anything about uh No, not really. I thought I might have oh. had something oh, okay. there, but no, didn't have anything there. So no no behind the scenes stuff from Nick. No, no, not on Pac Man. Yeah, so why no. did you promise it then, Nick?
4: That's my question.
12: Nick uh doesn't get the fever. <laughs> no, that's right.
4: Do you, do you have any development stories? Anything interesting from when you were making it? I know that like, you recorded the sounds from the actual arcade machines on a cassette recorder.
12: Yeah, well, that story, but I mean, like how did you do the graphics?
4: I, did you take pictures of the arcade and try to match them as close as possible or what?
12: No, well, I just saw pictures in a in a book or a magazine and I just completely didn't, copied. I mean, just ba- drew them, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just drew Tribute, them. not copy. Cuz I had to make it I had to make it fit the vertical resolution properly uh on the Coco. Um and so I I just drew it all from scratch and made it fit. I think when I I did the graphics for the maze, I only drew half the maze because then it's just mirror imaged across to the other half. So, Actually, I do have one
4: question, Nick. I don't know how much you remember. In your credit screen, you mentioned that uh, Sockmaster John Kowalski was your beta tester. Yeah. Um, Did did he find any early bugs or did he critique any of your programming or anything like that? What was his involvement as far as testing? I keep
12: saying none of my programs have bugs. (laughs) <laughs> it must be the fever.
4: <laughs> now, I just wondered do you remember if he found anything? That no, he didn't. No, he didn't. So, he just was rubber stamping your
12: stuff basically. Pretty well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Pac Man went through fairly smoothly when in development. I didn't have any major disasters or stories to tell about that. It all worked uh, first pop. I don't believe that for a second.
9: Well, Nick, which, game, which which game did you have trouble with? Did you have any that you had trouble with, or were they pretty much all pretty smooth?
12: Oh, uh, some of them. Um, trying to think now. Was well, uh, a few you've had to do little patches
4: afterwards. At Pac Man, you did too, but afterwards. it was pretty minor. I think it was like color and maybe. Uh, the that
12: was more because
4: PAL yeah, NTSC a... swapping or something.
12: Yeah, there was uh, the timer. In order to get your yeah, PAL and NTSC to to work. Hmm. The same because it was slightly faster on NTSC. So when when it played the music or the or the credit or the cutscenes rather, it played a bit faster than on the um on a PAL machine. So I just fixed that up. Just it wasn't really important. You you could still play it all w- without the patches.
9: Nick, when you're uh, programming and stuff, and you come into a roadblock or you know, where you just can't go any further. Do you just let it go and come back to it the next day or
14: yes. do you find
9: somebody yes. to help you or
12: not? Nah, no. Nah. Uh, yeah. Like you said, uh, I just uh, leave it. And uh, usually you I jump start. to a different
4: project and, and do something else. Totally different. than when you come back, yeah, it's kind usually, of fresh. basically uh, uh, another yeah. version
12: of
6: Gractoid every time he runs into a problem.
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, one, uh, one uh, trick extra pony there. That's what we're saying. Basically. Yeah.
12: But, yeah, you're right. Sometimes I get so stuck trying to fix a bug, I figure I'll just leave it and I'll just dream about it subconsciously. And in the morning when I wake up, uh, I have the answer. I've, uh, that, that's happened uh, quite a few times. So yeah, I that's even happened
4: re- happens to me, too. Like, that's that's a weird thing. I don't know if other programmers experience that, too, where just a night's sleep, all of a sudden it's obvious. Like, why why didn't I think of that yesterday yeah. after
12: six hours? What was this out?
0: dumb thinking about
12: yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean you spend hours trying to fix a bug or to work out something and you can't get anywhere so you say i'll oh, bugger it i'll just go to sleep and uh in the morning within five minutes there's the answer it's fine. and I'm thinking i don't know i was thinking about it all night maybe or maybe yeah, for just me
9: t- when i program i'll go to sleep and wake up in the morning and i still can't program <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah.
6: So Scott Cooper was asking um how you did the collision detection between Pac-Man and the ghosts.
12: Yeah, uh, he's probably thinking about in the corners. Um I'd have to look I can't remember exactly. It, it would have been just checking um um probably the center of the of the ghost to see if the center of a ghost equals the center of the Pac-Man, which is why around the corners, where they can, they collide more or something. Uh, I, but I have to—I'd have to look it up. It's been—it's been twenty years ago. Now, have you ever
4: considered, or would you consider making a Mrs. Pac-Man, where you'd have like moving no. fruit and then different mazes, etc.? Because core on. code's basically done. You could actually probably skin it pretty quick.
12: You could, yeah, but I mean, like with me, you know, what I did back then and how I do it now, I could do it so much better. So, you know, you you learn things over the years. You think, oh well, I'm not gonna. know, if I'm gonna do that, I'll do it this way, which means, oh, okay, rewrite. So.
4: <laughs> you mean like your I'm third or wh- fourth attempt on Neutroid here, still trying to make it into a viable game?
12: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it it will be. It will. Oh, be. come
6: on, Curtis. The 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 model one and three version is. Yeah, he did it
4: right the first time and has screwed it up every subsequent time since. Yeah, three
9: three shows from now we're gonna ask why why is it Nick hasn't showed up here. <laughs>
4: actually he's he's and then like nick does this quite a bit too he'll usually have a couple projects going at once and if you get a bit too flustered or stuck on a certain spot
12: you'll you move on another if, one if,
4: if, if the overnight sleep thing doesn't solve it then you'll you'll switch to the other project and do that for a bit and then when you come back you're totally fresh but he does have a second project that actually i'm much more interested in so i'm hoping that actually happens Tick, tack, i'll buy toe. that one i'll tell you that i'm probably not going to buy newtroyd again <laughs>
12: me we'll once, ready sorry. on that stupid thing. <laughs> it's looking good so far. Sloopy's gonna love it. Actually, Sloopy could be my main game tester. Oh, well, Curtis doesn't want to. He'll yeah, take- be your only advertiser for well, it,
4: pretty sure. So.
6: <laughs> yeah, Won't that really probably. deplete the um, the uh, amount of people that are going to get it if you give it to Sloopy off the start?
4: there goes your one sale
6: (laughs)
8: yeah aren't i the entire target sales uh, audience
4: you'll you'll have to autograph it for him nick uh, send the beta copy and charge him a hundred bucks for being a beta tester (laughs) or something
12: (laughs) (laughs) no no neutroid's more of a personal project it was it was pretty well one of the first games i ever did on Almost, even on the model almost, one three. So those are
4: fir- one of your yeah. first or your, your
12: fir- very first almost, ML one, wasn't it? Uh, on the it was, uh, on the, on the, uh, tier study. I think it might've been the second one. I did, I did have yeah, some one. of the other,
4: your earlier art ones. And actually I, we were, we'll be working with chronological gaming. because we'll be hitting some of them in 1982. Uh, I think most of those were like hybrids, like stellar odyssey was part basic part. The,
12: another. Uh, the first one was, there was also another one I called cosmic bomber, which I've lost, uh, that's another story, but anyway, I lost that. But but Neutroid was uh, yeah, but probably the second TeraSandy model one game I did, and then uh, Neutroid two on the Coco was the first one. So yeah, it was just something I I've been you know doing or making for a long time, and it's just almost Nick, sentimental value. Nick, one more one pro- more programming question.
9: Have I, you yeah. ever been a beta tester for anyone else? Uh,
12: no, because I whine a lot. Um. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I discovered that he actually has been. He's been a beta tester for G Shell Multiview on Nitrous Nine, and I can uh, yeah. definitely, you know, acknowledge the whining.
12: <laughs> yeah,
8: yeah. Hey, I wow, went. That, that, I went and got a Model One just so
12: I could play the original Neutroid. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Well, the thing is, you, you, you need to have a whiner because uh, they're the ones that, uh, well, it's better to pick up the whining and the problems early because better than having everyone whining later on.
4: No, actually, is- I'll have to say, I mean, in all seriousness, uh, the views if, if wouldn't have existed except for Nick's whining.
12: And there you it go, actually, it
4: proved to be quite useful. So I didn't know. To- there you go. <laughs> whining helps.
9: So um, beta testers never have the final game, right?
12: Uh, no. sometimes they do. Norma- Their hard drive is nor- full. Normally, uh, programs. <laughs> I I don't send out test versions every now and then. Yeah, you know, while I'm developing, I usually do finish the game as much as I can, and then give uh, a beta, beta tester a test. Um, Basically, he sends it to
4: Buck Owens because Buck is going to find something to break a game. That's it. Yeah.
12: Well, I, I have done so for the last uh, two games, yeah. He, he's good at um, at breaking things. He he knows how to find things. That yeah. Plus, he's, a, he's a
4: phenomenal game player, so if you want to like get all the levels of a game tested, he's probably the fastest from person that, to make it.
12: but he also he goes and does all these other things. He says, uh, you know, uh, what if I try going there and what if I try doing this? Yeah, you know, Most people uh, wouldn't even bother doing that, and in yeah. most cases, it's a useless thing to do, but you can do it, and he will do it. And yeah. then he'll come back and say, Maybe. oh, look, <laughs> I just discovered if I do this, I can get extra points, or I can, uh, you know, well, the game a freezes or, or something, yeah. That's yeah. right, that's yeah. right.
4: He's a really so, good beta tester, he's very he's thorough. He's
12: a good beta tester, that's right, yeah, yeah. was really good. So. He doesn't actually know how to
9: program, does he? He does somewhat because he uh, actually goes. He so he's does, gone through yeah. dissemb-
4: well, dissembling listings and stuff, well, maybe even actually. you know game challenge stuff here to figure out oh, what's this bug in this game. How would yeah. I fix it? Well, maybe so he's yeah, just, uh, no.
9: fixing your code and sending it back to you.
12: No, <laughs> no so, I wish he would. <laughs> no, then you have to share royalties. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think having a. Uh, well, not just a whiny um, game tester, because that can be a pain, you know. We've got Curtis for that. Yeah, tell um, me about that, Nick. <laughs> I test a lot for Simon, and he
9: <clears throat> used to send me lots of stuff. And um, I don't know if he does it anymore because of uh,
12: – maybe I, <laughs> I stopped whining. I don't know. You need the whining, but you also need uh, someone who really can play it over and over and try every angle and, and – uh, yeah, Buck Owens done, does the job.
4: Yep, and not just on Cocoa Games. He does it on other platforms. He does it on lots of things.
12: Script. He's a he's a machine. He's AI, you mean? I reckon he's <laughs> AI, yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, have you seen some of the scores when he actually concentrates on the game? It's like he triples everybody else. Yeah, yeah, pretty well. So, yeah, that's he's,
9: handy. And he's only 14. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that would have been the way it happened in the old days. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah.
12: Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Pac-Man, Pac-Man, um, I only had sock master and there was no problems with that. That was fairly, uh, smooth running that game actually.
4: Yeah. It was a good game. I, but definitely bought that one. Cause I tried it at uh Coco fest and, uh, I can't remember. Uh, Cop, I got 62 of your serial numbers or something. So, did we ever
9: have uh, Mr. Kowalski on? Yep. Yeah.
4: yeah, yeah. Interview with him. And he's been on a couple other times talking about other projects too. Mm. Anyway, I think we've probably beaten that one to death. Um, Pretty well. So, Ken, All if right. you want to announce the next game, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> I would, uh, like so David Sloopy, Craig will be joining us. Show- no, go ahead. I
6: think, I think <laughs> Sloopy should talk to, talk about the uh, live
4: show that we did this week. Well, I show some footage. Hmm. I should. Yeah. You should. Now, we should mention wow. for anybody who's watching that live stream, there was some problems with the internet, I think, because the stream actually mm-hmm. dropped off after an hour yes. or something.
8: Yeah, we oh, had we some technical difficulties. Um. Yeah, we had up to what, five, six people playing. And uh, fun was had by most,
4: and uh, by most, <laughs> except for those
6: of us that played Pac-Man.
4: Yeah, no, no, Pac-Man was fine. It, it was such a relief after playing Neutroid.
12: <laughs> You'll be sorry. <laughs> I,
4: I could make, I could make a response, but it's yeah, this, the family. Somebody's show.
9: gonna say asparagus on uh, Neutroid.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish that would work. because he's still making a new version of it? So well. <laughs> Go ahead, Sloopy. <laughs>
8: so it was su- such a great game, and Nick is such a get, great gate great get, great game writer that we're going to be uh doing a special all neutroid uh
4: <laughs> month. What what's the date so I know when my day off is? No, it's a whole month. <laughs>
2: it's
4: a whole month. Oh, Wait. right on holiday. Wait, see guys you guys in July.
6: <laughs>
8: No, we're going to do uh July, all of July.
12: All new all all July. Can we do it in August? I'm going to be away. No. Nope. <laughs> By July, I might have the new Neutroid done.
8: Right, because we're going to play the old one up until the new one's released <laughs> as a uh way to get uh excitement and uh and
3: attention for it. Motivation to get. Oh,
4: yes. Or lose. Motivation. <laughs>
12: it
4: depends on who you talk to. <laughs> that's, that's when all and, the refund ch- uh, requests start coming to Nick. That's what and, I'll say.
8: And, a, and as a side note, if I end up disappeared, uh, see this list of people around me? Those are the first ones to, uh, to
4: interview about my whereabouts. Because it's a group <laughs> that will deny it, so nothing will happen.
12: Yeah.
6: We're everybody else's uh, alibi. Well actually
12: I mean, yeah a refund to all uh, purchases of Neutroid wouldn't 2 wouldn't be a uh, wouldn't be so bad because I actually never sold any so <laughs> <laughs> refunds I zero. wonder why I would have no refunds I
10: still want I still want my money back for a free game
12: <laughs> so that's a yeah, good you've... sales point every game uh, no refunds guaranteed <laughs> Because yeah. there never was game, any the per-
8: ga- Game is so good that not one was returned. That's right. <laughs>
9: have you thought of renaming Neutroid to like, Neutroid Man to, have, you know, coattails from Pac-Man? Space no, Neutroids
12: no. or something, yeah. It's yeah. called Neutroid uh, Re, uh, Reloaded. But uh, back on to our serious,
8: uh, more serious uh, topic. Yeah, we had several people playing Pac-Man and the usual complaints from the peanut gallery and a few of them started <laughs> up the uh, new game, Curtis, um, which uh, seemed to be it seems to be coming along popular. So let this be a um, warning to you: don't let Sloopy pick the game of the week because every single one he picks is neutroid to be a problem.
1: <laughs>
8: but yes, join us next week on, at Thursday at eight PM. Eastern Eastern U.S time remember it's Cocoa Nation so you have to give the specific time zone in addition to the time um where we'll be playing that game that's in the top right corner right there <laughs> Wizard's Den <laughs> Wizards Den and it we says it right also, on the screen and we will also be playing back to you Ken oh okay um that means I have to stop oh, sharing shit. this.
6: All right. Uh, the other game we will be playing is—it's a nice, simple one. Uh oh. Does anybody <laughs> recognize this one?
8: Elevator action.
4: Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. is that the prickly pear one? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I know it is. From out yeah. here. Anybody else?
10: So from out, out here, here goes the Texas.
9: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I
4: didn't hear what you said, Ron.
9: From out here in Arizona.
4: Brickly pear? I th- think
6: so, isn't it?
12: Yeah. Maybe, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Anyway. It.
12: What's it called?
4: I'm loading it. It's the feeling you get when you play Neutroid. That's what the title is.
6: <laughs> Shaft. <laughs> Shaft. So the idea of the game is that, that you quick. have to move across each level and avoid getting hit by the elevators.
12: That sounds too harsh. Oh man! And we will be playing
6: on the easy level. So this is the title screen here, and we will be playing on the Ruckford level.
4: You said that Bund. well.
6: Yes, I had I practiced.
4: Yeah. <laughs> be careful! It's not an easy game. I will tell you that it is
6: not an easy game at all, but it's a very simple concept. Um, it is fun though. And of course, we will be playing Wizard's Den for another week.
4: Mm. So, the sleeper hit of 80, whatever the heck year it was, 87? Yeah.
6: We'll see how frustrated people get with this game. So,
8: am I going to start playing Neutroid instead on the uh, Game On
4: Challenge <laughs> Live? <laughs> I think you have a brain block that that's all you ever want to play. So, which would be okay if it was actually a game it is a game
6: all right enough neutroid talk come on come on
4: we're supposed to be talking we, we about can play shaft. ken ken we can play ken reichert's nutroid that would be a better one there we go. We're
6: or supposed i could to be talking it. about shaft and or about I, uh uh Wizards or, Dead right now
8: or i could go completely insane and just play uh nitrous nine ease of use
4: edition oh yeah, there's tons of games to pick on there that are better than neutroid so <laughs> <laughs>
8: But yeah, I look forward to playing it. And you remember when I told you I had a game that I was that I was picked out the next time I have to play?
6: Uh-huh. And so
8: I wasn't going to tell you what it was so that you wouldn't pick it.
6: Yeah. Was it shaft? And, you,
8: and then you go and pick this game? <laughs> yeah. Which I'm happy to say was was not it.
4: Oh, okay. <laughs> And for those of you who want to play it on real hardware, Shaft runs on a Cocoa 1 or 2, so both the games that are going on this next week here are Cocoa 1 and 2 games, don't need a Cocoa 3. <laughs> um, also
6: runs on Cocoa 3, though. Yep.
4: Yeah. Um, if you're playing on a real one, you might want to type RGB first to get the proper colors, if you have an RGB monitor. Um, it's uh, joystick required, I think. It's not keyboard, right? I haven't played it mm,
6: I think it's joystick, Yeah.
4: Yeah, and I think it only needs 16K, 32K maximum, so it doesn't even need that much yeah. resources. So.
6: And there is, cool. um, no, there's not an instruction screen. So basically, yeah, like I said, you move across the each level, avoiding the elevators. And when you get to the far side, you have to wait for the other elevator to come down and get on it. Because if you step out into the shaft, the elevator shaft, you die. <laughs> Is there's there, a lot of ways to die in this game. Yes.
8: <laughs> Is there a uh, instruction
6: manual for it? I have no idea. That
4: I don't remember seeing one on the archive. I could be wrong. There's definitely some ads in Rainbow. If you want a bit general, you know, description of it, there's a few ads from Prickly Parrot. Uh, well, I kind was of saying. The
8: game. I was saying for the for our. Uh, the weekly uh,
6: reading. I'm reading. Just I'm looking it up right now to see if we have.
8: Yeah, because he's a week behind, so he's going to have to do both Wizards Den and Shaft at the same
4: time. Yeah, the Wizards Den manual is definitely on the archive. I did look it up because there was a couple of things I had to look up. There before, like, is the no Shaft there. Um, with manual. manual that I can see. Oh, so man. if anybody
6: finds one somewhere, then uh, they can post it.
4: Yeah, you're probably your closest bet if you want something similar would either be one of the ads from Prickly Pear, and I'm pretty sure it got reviewed in Rainbow at some point, so that might also be worth a dramatic reading if we can't find the actual manual. By the way, I got an update from David Craker. uh, He's going to be our guest a little bit later. He says he's almost here. He had to download a new version of Zoom.
9: Hmm.
4: Absolutely, because I am done. Game on. Yay.
11: The Coco Nation Show is an unscripted live and interactive broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Nation Show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds are encouraged and a sense of humor is recommended. Thank you for being a part of the Coco Nation.
2: Taylor, we're watching the Coco Nation show. Yeah, we are. Woo! You should too.
12: The Coconation Show would like to thank the
1: following patrons: Alex Gayer, Brendan Donahue, Brian Walsh, Brian Weasler, Karen Ascom, Daddy Burrito, Diego BF109, Dinty's Hideaway, Don Barber, Eric Canalis, Glenn Hewlett, Grant Leedy, John Boat of Carshalor, Henry Strickland, Justin Larson, Ken Rychard, Mike Rayburn, Patrick Euland, Paul Fiscarelli Paul Shoemaker, R. Allen Murphy, Retro Tech Time, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Steve Batson, Terry Stege, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you so much, patrons!
4: Okay, and our our guest has actually just showed up too. So, David, if you want to unmute yourself,
13: all right, are you hearing me now? Yep. Excellent.
4: So, David, this was actually your very first Coco Fest you've been to this this past one, wasn't it?
13: It was. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been always wanting to go uh, ever since uh, you know high school days back when it was Rainbow Fest uh but this was the first time i actually made it out and it was a lot of fun i'm really glad i was able to make it
4: yeah i didn't get a chance to talk to you too much at your booth but i know you had your uh null uh modem cables there and you're actually running p51 two head-to-head coke was linked up which That's is pretty right. popular
13: yeah. i've still got a few uh, left here if anybody wants one let me know
4: <laughs> yeah i i should mention there's some other games that actually work that way too there was like most of them are like board style games like chess and checkers and othello and stuff like that but uh there was um, a space trading one that AlphaSoft put out for OS9. It was part of their OS9 Level 2 BBS system. Actually, you could have up to 10 players and they could log in separate times and do all their moves type thing. But that one actually allowed some live stuff as well. So that might be another one to try with an all-modem cable.
13: Yeah, I didn't know there was more that, that used it. That would be cool. My son and I just tried uh, using VIP Terminal just to to chat back and forth a little bit. Yeah, Give them a taste of uh, you know what we used to do back in the day over the phone line and stuff. So we had a bit of fun with that. Um, but yeah. i didn't know there were more games we could try out, so i'll have to definitely check those out and you should be able to like with os9 uh
4: level one or level two if you just redirect a shell or the login command or tsmon or something like that you should be able to actually log in from the other one and actually run two programs on the same cocoa just on two different screens yeah yeah did were you how many of those cables did you end up selling there just because i know a lot of people hadn't really tried the head head version of p51
13: yeah not a lot um Maybe I think I came back with five and I had seven or sorry. I had 12. So I think I, I oh, did too bad then seven. So I did. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, You know, I just kind of ordered a couple of batches of the DIN connectors and I'll make some cables and see what happens. So
4: <laughs> Yeah. I, I know back in the day, one of the big selling points of Mix is that you could actually hook up two modems. You could play like across the country or across the world. That was the big, big thing rather than having to have two Cocos in the same room. But I'd still There's like a lot of people like Brian Weasel have like 5,000 Cocos, so they could just make a whole network of it playing P-51. <laughs> whole, whole
13: basement of P-51 matchups, yeah.
4: Yeah. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. So you uh, kind of announced on Discord, I think just yesterday, right? You actually got a new hardware project, and uh, you're planning on actually making both the boards and then also getting some of the equipment that use the board. And, you know, Because a lot of people haven't had a chance to catch up on Discord today, I thought I'd let you make the announcement.
13: Yeah, sure. Um, I just posted it this morning, actually. I've been, uh, I mean, maybe I'll just kind of talk about what it is and then I'll go back and talk about how it started a bit later on. Um, I've been working off and on for probably three years, not the whole time, of course. This project just started and stopped a whole bunch of times because I've been stalled or just busy with other stuff. But I've been working on making a replica of the lichen adapter that DICOM products put out for two games that they made for it the iron forest and medieval madness uh back in the late 80s and uh this is my first working adapter boarder here i don't know why you can see that i gonna try and get it in the camera for you as best i can i'll pop the cover up for a second and you can see the inside a little bit um yeah. i just got it working earlier this week after a little bit of back and forth with tim Lindner. um I started the project or got the idea for the project after I saw his, uh, his MacMess site. And uh, so if anyone wants to kind of know more about it, definitely look up Tim's site if you Google MacMess.org and then add to your search DICOM light gun, you'll find it right away. Uh, he reverse engineered it, um, had a schematic on his site of the full circuit, uh, a few photographs of the original circuit board, and some diagrams and a little bit of a, like a step-by-step description of how the circuit actually functions. And uh, I think he, I think if I recall correctly, it's a 16 state machine on the board. And uh, he talked about kind of how it clocks through from one state to another, what causes it to advance. Um, so Tim knows way more about the, the hardware aspect than what I do. I basically was just learning how to solder. I'd got a soldering iron from our soldering station from my parents for Christmas, I think it was Christmas uh, 2019. So early 2020, I started looking for some projects I could do with it. I bought a few little kits to solder up, just to learn how to solder. But this was one I thought, I wonder if I could like learn how to make a circuit board. You see all these YouTubers like uh, Ken who's on the show right now, who posts about PCB way all the time. You know, it's definitely possible to make PCBs. Uh, I could probably learn how to, you know, design a board. Uh, especially if I've got a circuit or like, a schematic like this that actually. Uh, is documented already. I wouldn't have to design the circuit or anything. So that's kind of how I got started on it. Um, and yeah, just just kind of uh, got into easy, easy software I decided to use. It's an online PCB design uh, tool. I'm not saying it's the best one out there. If I you know did it again, I probably would try something like uh, maybe Eagle uh, or KiCad, one of the some of the ones I've ta- heard you guys talking about later on, but I was able to get Easy88 to work, um, uh, put the schematic into it, and uh, made a few mistakes along the way. This being my first board I've ever done, and uh, but you know ordered my minimum five from JLCPCB. Uh, PCB is who I ordered them from, and uh, soldered them up. Ordered all the pieces and. Uh, I had to do a bit of work to get everything to work because of some of the mistakes I'd made on the board design. Um, I, one thing I learned is you should print out, uh, print the board design out on paper so you see how big everything actually is, and stick your components around to make sure stuff actually physically fits. Because I had a few problems like that, um, but I did eventually get it all to work. With the addition, just this last week, I realized I'd missed three traces on the original board. They weren't explicitly documented on the schematic that I was going off of, but uh, what's the name of They're just grounds to the ICs. So it's like a embarrassing dumb mistake. I don't even want to say what it was, but uh, <laughs> as soon as I added the bodge wires to ground those three ICs, uh, it just worked right away. So, yeah. Yeah, you've actually got much. some
4: test software. You posted a few screenshots of actually reading where the gun's aimed at when you click the button, for example. Like yeah, figure.
13: that's not my software. Tim uh, sent it to me. Tim Lindner sent it to me. He He actually... Pulled it out of. Um, I'm guessing he's using uh, MAME to grab pieces of the code from Medieval Madness. So this is part of the Medieval Madness code he's extracted, um, and he's got a little basic program that's running and and just pulling the joystick port that the uh, trigger is hooked up to from the light gun, and uh, the then he's and then it's calling a uh, machine language routine that he's extracted from Medieval Madness. So I can't tell you a ton of the, you know, the background of what's in there exactly, but it did work very well. Uh, My first test with it before I had those bodge wires in, I posted a picture of that. You're kind of seeing like the same two numbers all the time that what the test software does is you point your gun at the screen and just shoot the screen. And the test software will pop up your X and Y coordinates of where you were aiming when you pulled the trigger. And I was getting the same two numbers all the time, no matter where I would aim at the screen, away from the screen, whatever, it didn't matter. Um, But once I added those three traces in um, for the grounds, it was just working right away. It's like I could see the numbers changing when I move around. Uh, And then I fired up Iron Forest. And for the first time uh, ever, I was able to play it, which was really, really fun to to see it actually working. And uh, having, you know, looked over those full color ads in Rainbow Magazine back in the day when I was in high school, like I'm sure a lot of you did. Uh, it was kind of my dream to be able to play some of these games. It was neat to make that happen. And I'm hoping through um, making some of these boards available to people that more people can can have that experience too and enjoy it.
4: Yeah. And you also mentioned on your post and on, on Discord that you're actually getting a bunch of the actual guns and I think it sounds like you have to repair them first. So these are probably not fully working, I'm guessing.
13: Yeah, it's it's a lot of non-working uh, Sega Masters with some light guns that I picked up on eBay. Um, I'll be picking them up. This coming weekend so about a week from now and i'm not sure of the state of all of them i'm going to guess the cords are probably shot on a lot of them like right below the strain relief the cord often goes in fact the one that i have that i was you know given by a friend that was exactly the problem that i had with it too i had to just cut it and splice the ends together and now it works perfectly again and and the joint is inside of the gun so you don't see it just maybe you lost it oh you know two inches of cable so i'll probably have to do that to several of them and there are some that are missing the, the, the plastic piece that covers the very back of the gun. In fact, I have a gun right here. I'll just grab it. See if we can get it to focus. But the piece that's missing on a lot of these ones will be just this little piece right on the back that covers a hole. Yep. But there's, uh, there's a model available on Thingiverse to 3D print that exact piece. So I'm thinking I'll just get a friend with a 3D printer to print me some of those and we'll be able to, to make the guns complete and, and working. And so I'll be able to have a gun available with each one of the four boards that uh, I'll be uh, fully building those out. Um, I want to keep one for myself of the five, of course, but the other four I'll be making available with a gun. if anyone needs the gun, if they have their own, then, you know, then we'll have uh, some guns available for other people who maybe want to make their own boards later on. So,
4: and, and do you I'm plan not, on making it like a available as a finished product type thing?
13: As I'm well thinking for... of maybe making a kit that's available for people to order with all the pieces that they need to put it together. I'm, I'm not sure, uh, you know, now that I've had one actually work, I'm a little more open to building more of them. Um, you know, for a while there, I was pretty sure I didn't want to build more once I got these finally going. But um, once a little more time passes, if if I sell these four and there's demand for a few more, I, I probably would be, you know, have my arm twisted to make a few more if people want
4: them. Okay. Now, I'm know? just wondering for the people like me that can't solder, like if you send me yeah. a kit, it's, you might as well just send me a piece of paper because that's, all exactly. I'm
13: do <laughs> so, you, you know, get your name in early and you can have one of the first four Then, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've actually got an original DICOM one. So too. So there so you don't even need one of these.
9: So this we're not going to work like, on, a, on a LCD screen or whatever.
13: Right. It will not work in an LCD. No, okay. you have to have a CRT, yeah. Okay. And yeah. where do I send my kidney to get one? <laughs> <laughs> it will cost you even less than a kidney, actually. So I haven't come up with the the, the final price yet because I haven't finished building them all yet. I just got my first one working. Um, but I'll definitely, uh, you know, get some information out. We'll get it uh, onto the show of, you know, prices and how to contact me to, to get them and stuff. shortly. Yeah. Actually, since we have you on anyway, how much do you charge for
4: the normal cables in case anybody's interested in those? Those ones I was selling for $20. So 20 plus shipping then?
13: Yeah. Okay. And I'm based out of Canada. So shipping's a little more unless you're willing to wait till I make a little trip over the border and mail them from a post office. Where
4: are you in Canada? The
13: good people live in Canada already anyway. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ron is asking, where are you in Canada? Right in the middle, uh, close to Winnipeg is where I am in Manitoba. Oh, Oh, you're right by D. Bruce Moore then. Yeah, because yeah, he's in Winnipeg. And I'm not too far from you either, probably about
4: six and a half hours. We probably drove pretty close to you, Ken and I, on the way down through the ice storm.
13: Probably, yeah. depending where you came over the border. Yeah, I wasn't coming down I-29 like you guys. I was a little bit further east, but uh, yeah, pretty close.
4: So yeah, you're probably... right, right
6: by my cabin, actually, right near my cabin. Yeah, maybe, is, maybe. Yeah, because he's in the ride western ride. part
4: of Ontario, so.
6: Yeah, yeah, I'm close to Dryden, so.
13: A couple, couple hours drive away, probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful country up there, for sure.
4: Yeah. Now you'd mentioned when we were kind of talking about it before the show that you actually have done a few design changes or are planning on a few design changes to the interface. So one thing I wanted to ask you, the original one requires a nine volt battery. Um, Have you got any thoughts about making it so you just get a power packet plug straight in and you don't have to worry about swapping batteries all the time or trying to find an adapter?
13: That is an excellent question because that's a little bit of a story in itself. My original plan was I did not want to use a nine volt battery with this thing. Um, I mean, I just thought it was a little bit silly to have cables hanging out of the box with your boat battery out of the box. So either I wanted to do you know, an AC to DC little power adapter um, that would just plug into a port. That was my first choice. Or I at least wanted the battery to be inside the box. And if I hold this up, you'll see I did not accomplish either of those things with this one. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. But that's not my final plan. Um, I do have a little port on the side And my plan was to just plug an ac adapter in and i have an adapter that it says it's rated for nine volts dc you know it should be the same as plugging a battery in right but it puts out more than nine volts like quite a bit more and that adapter i got to work um with only one of my five boards and i I was stumped for the longest time of what is going on the traces are all intact on all these boards to bring power out to the sockets uh But only one of the boards actually had, you know, the five volts on the VCC and on all the IC sockets and I could not figure it out. And finally, in the end, after testing all the traces on one of the non-working boards, I just figured, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to solder on the leads from this nine volt battery connector and I'm going to see what happens. So I plugged in the nine volt battery and sure enough, I get voltage all over the board. So it's almost like the AC to DC adapter I had was putting out so many volts that the voltage regulator was just saying, no, I'm not doing it.
0: Most old school adapters need enough load to pull their voltage down to their rating. So if it says nine volts, 300 microamp, you need 300 microamp load to make that sucker work. The modern ones that don't weigh anything are really nicely regulated, but those are so new that they don't, you know, you'd have to go buy one. Yeah, and you could buy a lot of nine volt batteries for the price of buying an adapter.
4: <laughs> well, the thing is, like, if you're playing these games a lot, your nine volt battery will get drained pretty quick. In fact, uh, in the manual for the original DICOM games, they warn you, like, when you're not using it, unplug your battery because it'll be dead in a couple weeks.
13: Yeah, and it's not the most convenient thing. Like these clips, you probably use them; they they hang on pretty good, right? And yeah. if you're popping the battery on and off all the time, it's a little bit annoying. So um, I'm at least if I don't find you know, AC to DC adapters that work well. I'll at least get a little you can get little cables on AliExpress that have an you know a plug on the end that plugs into this port and then the nine-volt battery clip on it. So then you can just unplug it quickly instead of having to unclip the actual battery from from this end here, right? So that's sort of my backup plan. Um AliExpress also has a little cable with the USB plug-in one end to pull uh you know your voltage from the USB port, and then it has you know, a plug like this on the other end, and they say it's supposed to be a step up to output nine volts. I don't know if that would actually work. What, um, uh, what, what ports does it plug into on the Coco? Uh, it just plugs into the joystick port and the serial port. So yeah, there, I know I, there is a,
8: there's so a how much on the joystick port. Five, yeah, there's five volts in the, on the uh, joystick port. So why yeah. not put a voltage doubler on that five volts? To so how to much
13: nine?
0: How, yeah, how much current does the light gun draw?
13: That's the piece I'm not entirely sure, which is why I didn't try that option. <laughs> oh, um, for my first design, I wanted to try something that I was pretty sure I could get working, right? right. Um, right because it might be possible. I just don't know how much, how much voltage or current draw I'm going to need uh, to be able to pull it from that port. I'm not sure.
0: Because you can pump five volts up to nine, but you aren't going to get a whole lot of current. Yeah. Interesting. That'd be yeah, one thing what, to look at.
8: What chips are on that board? I mean, just seventy-four series logics. I believe, yes.
0: You got to power the light gun, though. That's the issue.
8: Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. The well, light the light, gun, light is- gun is yeah, the light yeah. gun is just an optical sensor.
9: Now, David, you talked all about about building this thing and never once mentioned smoke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's in a concrete bunker there's no problem
13: that's right. i'm, I'm working out of my basement here the man cave uh, i just got all cement walls i didn't even burn any hair building this thing i, I pulled some grout, trying to get it working along the way but i didn't burn anything
8: <laughs> you didn't burn anything that's why it didn't work the first time must be yeah you, yeah, have, you have to make the
13: sacrifice to the soldering <laughs> guys uh, burning a few things first <laughs> I did uh, discover one other thing, and that is that Cat5 cable is not fun to solder. So I uh, threw that plan out. I had like the jackets on the individual um, conductors inside the Cat5 cable just melting all over the place. So mm-hmm. I ended up uh, tossing that and I'm using Cat3 cable now, the same stuff I used for uh, my serial modem modem cables. And that works so much nicer. It's really nice to work with actually. Get nice, uh, easy solder joints onto the board with that. Are you using stranded? Uh, this is, I think, solid core, actually. I just picked up what I could get out of at a little bit Home Depot, and I think it's solid core, actually. Oof. So you've gotten knowledge from
9: building this. Are you, like, looking forward to, like, you know, Gimme X in a few months?
13: <laughs> uh, it would be <laughs> nice to, to try using Gimme X, yeah, absolutely. I've definitely had my eye on that project for a while. Uh, I'm nowhere near uh, ready to work on anything like that, that's for sure, <laughs> You know I, i've learned a lot through this project and i've learned that i have a lot still to to learn so um yeah i'm i'm not a hardware expert by any means i knew enough to learn how to design a pcb and use someone's schematic that already worked right so uh, i'm not pretending to know more than i do or anything like that um, but i'm definitely you know looking forward to trying some new challenges as well and continue my learning process there's one other
9: one other question yeah. i would have is um you know as you start building projects and stuff um are you going to have any kind of inclination to um name your products after any particular countries
13: um... <laughs> <laughs> need i say any more <laughs> i know exactly where you're going with that question i have not uh, have not thought about that very much yet um maple syrup maybe we'll see i mean uh, the part of canada i'm from isn't super into maple syrup we can kind of make it from manitoba maples and i know a few people who do um we'll, but yeah we'll, how's your poutine have, maybe poutine or i do have these labels i printed on my my items i was selling a cocoa fest at my table i might get in trouble good. with that name i don't know but it's just a little <laughs> bit of a fun uh play on the radio shack name from back in the day uh my friend perry who might be watching right now uh friend since high school he came up with the name actually so shout out to him on that
4: yeah. a comment from David Lord in the chat. He says solid will break over time. Stranded is the way to go.
13: Yeah. So Literally. maybe I need to go to something else. Yeah. I'll have to get into that. That's what I tried to say. I was just really glad that I got some that actually I could solder onto the board without making a mess. So
8: <laughs> yeah. If, if you're going to be using like flexible, flexible cables, stranded is a much better choice because stranded will break, but because there's so many strands in it, it's not that big of an issue because mm-hmm. it's yeah. like, constantly but with a single core wire being flexed it will eventually uh it'll eventually break and then one single break you've got no connection
0: yeah right it's like a paper clip it gets a soft spot and then that's where it bends every time after that until it breaks (laughs) where flexible wire they're soft spots but they're all up and down the wire it never bends in the same place any one time
2: Yeah, yeah
8: then you'll uh then then you'll be uh playing p51 Mustang on your
9: not work <laughs>
0: <laughs> why am I losing
9: no. you said at first you had bodge wires you know to fix things from your circuit board but now I, I, you've ordered um a new batch of boards that have that all
13: fixed I haven't done that yet I just put the bodge wires in just a few days ago literally so I haven't uh done the new boards yet I have other stuff <laughs> on them I want to fix as well um stuff I learned along the way. Like I I used Easy ADA that has, you know, people from the community can can supply or or submit components that you just grab and use. And I made the mistake of trusting that their components would actually, (laughs) you know, be correct and they're not. (laughs) So I've got, you know, a crystal oscillator um, where the pads are made for a surface mount and I've got through hole crystal oscillators I want to put on, which I just bent the legs and soldered them onto the pads anyway on these ones. And it works. But my next board, I want to actually have the proper size pads with the holes going through and, and things like that. So there's a couple of things like that I want to, to fix up just to make it so it's, you know, it's more correct and it's easier for people to build if they're going to build their own as well.
9: Well, when you open up the uh, Cocoa 1 or even sometimes Cocoa 2, you see bodge wires in there.
13: Dandy did it. Aren't you kind of, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's more authentic to keep them, eh? That's right. I hid my body drivers under the board, so maybe I shouldn't have done that either. I should have put them out in the open <laughs> on the top. I don't know. <laughs> it makes
4: now. I'm, I'm curious. Are you to... at all interested in actually programming for it? Like maybe writing a game or something based on Tim's drivers?
13: Yeah, I'm actually really interested in that. I don't know if I'll get that far, but I would love to uh, to figure something out with that. Even if I just kind of made a a little target practice kind of game using you know some of the code in in Tim's program, and he's given me my his blessing to try that already. So uh, I'll probably try something just really simple like that to start out with. Uh, one thing I'm
4: curious, I never asked him is if if this will work on a Cocoa 1 and 2, because that's one you know, platform that never got any of these phases. Yeah, games.
13: that's exactly what I've been experimenting with a little bit. Just yesterday, I was uh, trying to, to change his code a little bit. I didn't get super far. I got the basic code running because the basic code is using the button command, which uh, was airing out right away so uh yeah it's just
4: a peak six five two eight zero i think to do the yeah thing.
13: so i was switching it to use the peak and i think there's a bit mask involved as well yeah. if i recall correctly,
4: depending on which joystick so, you're trying to read the button from
13: yeah so i was trying to do that and that was working but i think there's something in the machine language routine that it's calling that the Cocoa one doesn't like which is what i was testing yeah so uh, i'm
4: trying to remember his explanation i think it, it's based on the v-sync you have to like white the screen out like fill it with white and then immediately flip it back and you have to try to register yeah. the change and Color. And Sorry. I know
13: what method he's trying to do for that at all. I yeah, if he's
4: using a gimme timer interrupt or something, obviously that gimme yeah. isn't in the Coke 1, too. But there is VSync in there, so you should still be able to do it, I would think.
13: Yeah, I think in theory it should be possible. Like all the signals that we need on the joystick port and the server port, they're all there. Um, so I think it's possible, but I don't know for sure yet. Okay. Can you guys explain
9: why um, the gun won't work on a LCD screen? I mean, you're getting the same s- signal. Thing, what's what's the difference? Do you know anyone? Yeah, yeah, an it's, LCD, the reason why it's not. I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say a CRT only illuminates one dot at a time, yeah. an LCD illuminates the entire frame at once. That's why frame weight is so important on LCDs because you will see it's 30 frames blink, blink, yeah. blink where CRT is a phosphor that glows and kind of fades, but it's one dot at a time. So you can tell where you're pointed by, is that dot lit? While well, I push the trigger, well, that's where I'm pointed.
9: It's not a, you can't um, emulate it and make it work?
0: No, enough. no, because the, the gun can't see where you're pointing. All I can tell is, is the dot lit right now? If the dot's lit right now, and that's where the target is, then that's where you're pointed. It doesn't matter where the gun's really pointed. It's just you hit the trigger when the dot was lit as it was going over where the target is.
11: There's a really cool video where someone has used a super high-speed camera to slow down and show um, someone playing Mario Brothers on a CRT. To the point where you can see each pixel of Mario's mustache being drawn individually.
4: Because <laughs> <laughs> it gets lit up really bright and slowly fades. So
11: if I can find yeah, was, the link to that video.
9: Uh, that would be cool. It's a
11: really great illustration of the difference between the two video technologies.
0: This this was really interesting because in the Atari 2600, the entire video screen was one line. That was it.
9: That's you, right. You it were chasing you the One line at a time. Would that work on a Vectrex? No.
8: Yes, there is a
11: Vectrex light gun. Um, The difference is in the way that the raster scan works. But, yeah, let me find that Mario mustache video uh, that (laughs) shows the (laughs) LED screens versus um, CRT. I always always
9: wondered about that because, uh, you know, back in the day, we all had uh, the duck hunt, you know, set up. And Mm -hmm. it worked. And then I thought, yeah. I can't you know if i hook that up to yeah, no it won't work will it no yeah. no yeah by the time
8: duck hunt came around they actually had to put stuff in there because in the earlier systems you'd be able to point the light gun at a light like just a, you a like a, ta- a table lamp or overhead lamp and shoot that and it would register as a hit <laughs> but with duck hunt basically what they did was when you pull that trigger it has to read once and it has to be dark and it has to read a second time and then it has to be light in order for it to register a hit.
0: Hmm. Makes sense.
13: I don't think that the Nintendo Zapper and the Sega Master system like can work exactly the same. I think they're slightly different, but there's people on here probably know more than I do about the differences there too. Yeah, um, they they basically work the same. I thought there was a difference in how they function, but so could you Sloopy,
4: could that you works. theoretically take us, you know? Because a Nintendo gun is probably a bit more common than a Sega Master System gun. Yeah. did you yeah, interface you can, one of
8: those? Sure. I mean, the th- you might not need to change the uh, stuff inside it a little bit, but basically all it is is a um, uh, a photoreceptor inside. And that's it. It's like some will have like a board that, that will help control it. But other than that, all, all a light gun is is just a photoreceptor. the same as like a light pen. Uh, same thing it works the similar way uh i do know that um, on some light guns when you pull the trigger some of them will make contact others will just break contact so it's the same as pushing a button or just letting go of the button for a second but for the most part the actual light photoreceptors this is is the same it just depends on how that specific photoreceptor needs its signal coming out like whether it requires a five volt signal going in or a two volt or whatever, because they're not all the same. Okay. Some of them, some of them might need a, li- a current limiting uh resistor, sort of like an LED. Some might not.
4: Now I've got a couple questions from the chat here. This, this will be for any of you hardware gurus out there. So the first one from David Lord, he said, he doesn't believe the light gun. I don't know what he said here. You can write code for an LCD, but it would work differently. So I'm not sure how that would work, given the fact you're waiting for phosphor to fade. Do you have to like fade the LED color, like drop it back from white to a light gray and kind of fake being phosphor? How would you do that?
8: You'd probably just simulate the the scans on the screen um, where you just have a single oh, dot nice that nice. went across all the positions on the screen, and then when you read a hit in the gun, then you'd know where it was on that screen.
4: And then Perry Dueck asks, how about an Atari XE light gun compared to the Sega Nintendo guns? Would that also work? Same, mm-hmm. yes.
8: The, yeah. the the uh, Atari XE gun is, there's modifications to the XE gun to, well, modifications to the Sega gun to use on the Atari 8-bit. Um, from what I understand, it's just a different pin, and this, I think the switch might be different.
9: So, David, I got an idea for a name for your product. Maybe uh, you've already thought of it, but um, it would be the Craker Quaker. <laughs> <laughs>
13: <laughs> we'll see we'll see
0: <laughs> so so david lord has explained himself in chat he just wants to do the timing in the computer so from the
5: what oh, tied to the, the vertical, vertical yeah vertical horizontal H-box.
0: blanking and you time it yourself and when was the button pushed in comparison to that timing which yeah. could technically be done
4: but man that would be me?
8: <laughs> that'd be sort of like uh, sending and receiving bit bang serial data at the same time. Yeah, that'd
4: be pretty CPU-intensive to trigger that. Well, I mean, if you set up the programmable timer and you set it for, like, say, the H-sync speed, actually, no, you need faster than that because you got to do the pixels going across, too. Yep. Yeah, that'd be pretty CPU-intensive.
8: Yeah, I mean, getting the uh, line that you're on is not is not that hard. It's getting where on the line that you're those, at that's a hard those,
0: those delayed phosphors in the CRT were sort of a secret CRT memory we were using right up until 20 years ago. You know, Remember so CRT memory.
9: What you guys have said was at first it you said it wasn't possible, and then as we talked more, it became possible, but. You probably
4: need order. like an external third-party hardware to keep up and then yeah, you know, or send something to the Coco read.
8: It. It's not possible on the Coco. That's
4: yeah, because on a horizontal it, it, line, even at double speed, you got what, 117 cycles, CPU cycles or something like that, and you've got six hundred up to six hundred forty pixels across, you got to try to register. You don't have enough time to even do a single byte instruction command that takes one cycle. So yeah.
9: even with the double
4: speed poke. That's with the double speed poke. <laughs> oh. it's, it's worse on a code One one <laughs> You get 57 and a half cycles to do it on a
7: mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, you could you could probably
8: do something that's close but you'd probably be just make you'd probably be the equivalent of just whipping your gun out and just pay, pointing at the right. uh gun at the TV and just making pot shots.
4: But yeah, I mean, v- if you designed a game that only required vertical, like if you just had to aim up and down to hit some general target that's the width of the screen, you could probably do that. But VCC yeah, is yeah. seventy-five megahertz. Well, VCC, no, VCC, I guess doesn't. But I think Mame even emulates the uh, the gun interface already, doesn't it? I think Tim added that in. That's why he did that whole project on. Oh yeah, now you so. got
0: time to do that kind of stuff. Eh?
9: So you can get uh, David's product emulated.
4: Yeah, it basically just uses the mouse cursor. It doesn't. It's not quite as much fun as actually having the gun. Yeah, nowhere near fun, I'd say. You just move a I mouse have... cursor. It's like playing, you know, like Missile Command with a mouse. Yeah, yeah I have no idea. <clears throat> what boring. What
13: <laughs> yeah, I do, I, I do I, have I, an idea though uh, that involves uh, Nitrous Nine, Curtis. That I have to throw out there. I, I know it's it's a silly kind of thing that only nerds would be interested in, but wouldn't it be kind of neat if you had? uh view up on your screen and you could point with <laughs> your liking at the icon you wanted to start up and just pull the trigger. Dude, Nick's trash then, can. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, and then you take your you know your Joey uh, controller switcher and flip the switch to switch to your joystick when you're ready to start up King's Quest. you know it's perfect. You got multiple uh, products being tied into it, and uh, David uh, glad you be here.
2: <laughs>
13: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing David's not here.
4: He would explode. Yeah, <laughs> he he'd be going like Funny. I can seek the track on my floppy drive by aiming but, at this part yeah. of the screen and yeah. yeah, yeah,
8: run the whole thing from a floppy and he would be in heaven.
9: We'd have to hook up a application
4: Yeah, I, I guess the only real limiting factor though is the fact that it does not work with LCD TV. So if you have the newer, you know, interfaces, exactly. etc., that you're, you're kind of SOL, you'd have to find an old tube based.
9: Yeah. Another, another question: uh, My TV in the um, living room is, uh, you know, where the the whole screen is a tube. What do you what do you call it? Um,
8: They're all like that.
9: No, <clears throat> you know, it's not uh, the the newest technology. It's the older stuff where the the actual screen is one big tube. What do they call that?
0: Um, oh, the backlight is is a
9: cathode right tube. Oh, plasma. Plasma, something. yeah. So plasma, okay. would it work oh. on a plasma screen? No. That would, no. No? Nope, that same works the same as LCD.
0: Is it really? Yep. And this is why no one talked about frame rate and frames per second in the old days, because it didn't come up. A CRT doesn't have frames per second. Oh. But now with the CRT starts flipping out very defined frames, then now you need 120 frames per second to look smooth, because it's too digital now and you just can't get that smooth look that a CRT always had. And now you've got to have a, like I say, 120 frame.
4: Yeah. You have to have a faster refresh to kind of simulate it as best you can. So even make it look
0: good to the human eye. (laughs) So basically
9: tube TVs have enough smear or whatever to look good. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
4: That's yeah. that's really cool. I mean, once once you find out what the, what you think the price will be and stuff, and you get the final on, I really hope you can eliminate the nine volt battery because that was my one pain point with it on on the actual. Well, they'll have so, the
13: power jack on it, so all it is is a matter of trying to find an adapter that'll. You know that'll put the voltages out to the board like um and i'll do a bit more experimenting i drop by value village to, to pick up one uh just a couple of days ago <laughs> you, know, you know if i get one just for like four bucks or something and i kind of do something what i already had so
0: find something that weighs nothing it must not have a transformer in it it must feel like a cheap plastic disposable piece of crap that says nine volts okay. and so then you'll know, get that's nine volts out that's
9: of it so a drill battery is <laughs> out of the question
13: Right. <laughs> would would something Rick like if I found like a like a lower voltage supply? Is there any chance that would work? Well, or no? Then like you're guessing because it? the
0: the older unregulated supplies, it all depended on how much load you put on the supply as to what voltage you yeah. got out. But it the newer a, switching supplies, you will always get the right voltage out of it. Yeah, now it there's oh, a rub that you can't ground yeah. that to an earth ground. we can exchange emails there's it's complicated but (laughs) does
13: does it
8: have a voltage regulator inside of it
13: yes there is a voltage regulator inside of it yeah it'll bring like the the nine volts that comes in it'll bring that down to five to go to the chips and it doesn't really anything uh
8: it doesn't do anything with that with that nine volts except go to the voltage regulator
13: right yeah that's right yeah
8: then any 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 uh power supply that you find that's six
13: volts to 10 volts (laughs) volts should work fine that's kind of what i was hoping for the ones i have are rated at nine but they're when i put a multimeter on them they're putting out like 15 to 19 volts yeah but
0: but they're not regulated yeah you have a regulator yourself so all you've got to do is stay under what the 25 volt headroom of a five volt regulator and you're good
13: I I thought these should work because it was like I say, 15 volts, and I think 19 volts is what they were putting out, and they're rated at nine. But I think I got to find something a little lower. At least I'll try. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm definitely open to some ideas. I don't really want to have to use a nine volt battery either. So
8: <laughs> the, other th- the other thing you can do is just hook up the five volt rail just to the straight to the five volt uh, on your uh, cocoa and see how it works. Yeah. What's the worst that would happen if i did that i'm guessing it just wouldn't run but yeah you're it would just uh it would um you just check the volt the five volt rail on your uh coco and see if it's low like much lower because it it should be able i mean although it's quote unquote rated for 50 milliamps it's able to handle more it should there's no reason it shouldn't be able to handle 100 to, to 150 milliamps and there's no way that 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 board is going to use that much
13: what i wonder about then if it's actually possible is why didn't they build the original that way then because it would have been so much easier
8: probably because uh, they they are a business that has to deal with the uh repercussions of companies and if uh something happened to someone's cocoa and they say well your product destroyed my cocoa even though they had a uh a serial switch on there a uh uh a Y cable with a RS232 pack and a <laughs> disk drive in there and yeah. it's like they can say well you didn't follow spec, so it's your fault and it's there's nothing they can do about that. so I mean you could also just put an am- uh, an ammeter on there and see what kind of voltage it actually does pull
2: I
4: mean you a- mentioned, uh, Franklin Harris of, of Retro Rewind mentions, why not eliminate the 7905 as the board only uses 5 volts and go with a 5-volt supply? I'm not a hardware guy. I
13: don't understand what that means, but does that make any sense yeah. to you guys? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, it's definitely done a, definitely a possibility. Way. I mean, I thought, too, of just taking a USB cable um, yep. you know, that you plug into any kind of 5-volt USB power supply and plugging that straight in. And uh, I could have done that. Probably the biggest reason I did it. is because this is my first project and I'm trying to make sure I don't go too far off the original design. Yeah, I exactly. To work. Um, yeah. But yeah, it definitely should be possible. And that would simplify the board again, too. You just don't need the voltage regulator at all. Yeah,
8: because nowadays a uh, 5-volt uh, power source is pretty much available anywhere, whereas back then it wasn't as common of a power supply.
0: Right, yeah. they're so common. Devices don't even put them in anymore because you probably got 20
13: exactly (laughs) and i'm i'm planning to to uh you know put the board design out there too so if anyone wanted to you know make changes to it and do their own thing you'd certainly be able to do that so
4: now would you be okay with somebody who wanted to sell it as a a fully made product um based on that design or
13: yeah i wouldn't have it as you said,
4: it's kind of sound like you're not too keen on like you know making a bunch of these fully
13: soldered up and ready to go like I'd make a few, but I'm not looking to make a hundred. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea how many people are going to want them. Like how many people still have CRTs, right? Um, I've got
4: several, but yeah, there's one yeah. here. I got how my neck multi two over here.
0: I would like to put that inside the light gun and just make a.
8: <laughs> yeah. Build hey. Hey. Something. I've got five within uh, five, five feet of me. Or No, I've got nine within five feet of me. Hmm. I'm one of the weird guys
13: that had CRTs too, but there's a lot of people that don't (laughs) do it.
0: How many work?
13: Um, All of them except one.
0: You're in the right uh, neighborhood for people with CRTs that still work. That's for sure.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alan Murphy, who's on our panel, but in the chat, he says, sign me up for a light gun and adapter CRT right behind me. So he's ready to go. So,
13: awesome. And if you can make one that doesn't require a nine volt battery, I would buy one. Well, these are already, you know, if you find the right adapter, I'm pretty sure you'd be fine. Like, I have one that works with a 9-volt adapter already. Uh, It's just my other, somehow the the voltage regulators aren't all, like, some are more sensitive than others of what I think. I mean, again, maybe someone like Rick or Sloopy knows why that is again.
0: I'm guessing Um, you aren't getting enough current out of your supplies. The ones with the really high idle voltage aren't delivering enough current. And you've got one that doesn't quite need as much as the others and it's squeaking by. Try a bigger mm-hmm. adapter. Because you have okay. a 25-volt headroom, I think, under that regulator, so as long as your wall wart doesn't make more than 25 volts, it'll be five volts coming out of the adapter.
2: What that
13: I'm probably going to end up doing is taking my boards right to Value Village with my multimeter and start oh, putting the payment. There you go. Out, I'll just try right there. <laughs> yeah, you're using a 7805 Voltage regulator? You know, I'd have to look up what it is. I think it's something smaller. Just give me a second. I'll find it. I got the part number in here. Two moments.
4: Three moments. And for those interested in this project, he's got some photos and stuff up on uh, in the Discord. And I'll actually be showing on the news, too. Um Parts I'm really here. interested to see. Like wonder if you can eliminate the 9-volt battery and have something that just plugs in and you don't have to keep buying batteries. And then also, if you can get the, the software working, maybe even try it on a Cocoa 1 and 2, and see if we can actually get some new games for it for the first time. In that would be fun, yes. 30 exactly some odd cool. years. Yeah, I have to pick a game in September. So if you have your game ready by
8: then, <laughs> there you go. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. that'll juice then, your sales. You have to get the game on challenge. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, then maybe I won't be shot for picking another Nick Morinci's Mar- Nick game. <laughs> oh,
6: Nick, so would, so would you be interested in to supporting games uh, before uh,
4: September? I'll, don't worry. <laughs> Nick, would you be interested in supporting a, a game for the light gun if uh, they get it, you know, working fairly well and doesn't require batteries?
12: Yeah. Oh, he's sleeping again.
4: No, yeah. I'm back. Oh, okay.
12: I'm just trying to do breakfast at the
13: same time. <laughs> yeah. Did you find the voltage regulator? I did. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that for a second. Give Nick a chance to finish his mouthful there. Uh, the voltage <laughs> regulator that I use is uh, 78L05
8: Motorola. A 78, uh, yeah, that's a that's a 78005. Um, basically, your your power supply that's giving like 10, 12 volts, you should be able to plug that in because a 7805 is capable of handling between 20 and 30 volts maximum. Yeah. um i would only i was run... really surprised my other ones didn't work but... yeah well without um, heat, i tape. would let it only run for a minute or two because yeah. when you're putting that much voltage in it it's going to produce a lot more heat that's why they're doing nine volts but that'll at least test it to make to see if if the voltage will come down once it's actually connected to something
0: right because right. that's the thing if your little supply is putting out 20 volts at no load it may yeah. only put out four volts under any reasonable load. It yeah. may be a piece of crap. There were a yeah, whole yeah. lot of bad Wall Warts back in the day.
4: Yeah, <laughs> Frank's saying anything higher than 12 volts on the 70, uh, 905, he says, but 7805, uh, put a heat sink on it.
8: Yeah. Yeah, that's a typo. A 7905 is negative five volts.
9: And then you'll need a fan. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm really looking forward to that because, I mean, that's something I've, I've, I've told people a lot about the light gun. And I've even brought it down to the fest a few times. Mine, uh, I think Henry Reifeld brought his down last year or even before or something, or just before COVID maybe. But yeah, it's guys- something that not a lot of people have. I mean, the the disc images are now available for both games. And Dave Dyes just said, go ahead and copy them. There's no problems there. Um, yeah. But, you know, people have to have, A, the master, second like master light gun itself. And then they have to have this interface, which was fairly rare to begin with as well. And the Sega Master Light Gun—it's not the most common light gun you can find. So yeah. um, it's it, the fact that you're actually getting the light guns and making the boards and the, the whole package there means that you know you can get a one-stop shop and you're ready to go and try these games that a lot of people have never tried.
13: And I, I don't have a you know a, a line on a ton of light guns. I've got a lot of six of them coming to me, and I want to keep one of those because I do also have a Sega Master system, and there there's a game on there called Gangster Town that uses two light guns. So you have two-player mode, two at the same no. time. Oh, okay. Um, so I definitely want to be able to try that out. So I'm going to keep two light guns, the one I have, plus uh, one of the, from that lot. But I'll have five available from that lot uh, once I get them working. Hopefully I can get them all working. I don't think it's going to be hard. Yeah, David, uh, uh,
8: contact me on Discord. We can work something out um, so we can get it working for you. Um, awesome. I have a uh, Sega Master System light gun, so I don't need one of them yet.
4: <laughs> <laughs> now, Sloopy, do, get just uh, probably the last question I'll ask on this so we can get on with the rest of the show. We're still so doing another five-hour show um what is there some sort of hardware adapter something you could do to use some of the more common available ones like nintendo etc that would work with this interface
8: i'd have to look look at the details on the uh on the uh nintendo one which would probably be the most common um i know that it's been adapted to use on the atari um and it's it so it should be able to be adapted to be used on this um because i know that uh Like the Sega Genesis uh, light gun, it's a very simple modification to use it on the Atari. I think it's just a pinout change and a change in the switch, but I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. Um, I'd have to figure out how it actually works because I'm not used to this stuff where you have like all these additional electronics to make it work. Because on the Atari bit, it goes straight into the video chip and the video chip just has a register that tells you which... Uh, pixel on the screen uh, on the screen you're pointing to you don't have to do any kind of uh, translation or anything so but yeah it's it's it should be a simple matter to uh adjust a uh nintendo uh light gun for it i do have a couple of them actually sitting around here so that would be a nice thing to try out too
4: yeah, because, I, I mean, do. I mean, the, the one thing that might you know hinder this is the fact that the Sega Master ones are f- a bit more rare to find. And yeah. if you can use a common one like a Nintendo or even the Genesis or something like that and, you know, some little adapter thing or a, maybe a different version of the board or something yeah. that you can then bundle it with one of those, which you can, you know, pick up on eBay fairly easily. <clears>
9: nice. The other day I was surfing on the Internet and um, if you use a 12-volt car battery, they have these new. Um, bands that go across and you hook both ends up to the terminals and you can carry it.
2: <laughs>
9: <laughs> Have you seen that? Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? It's I don't. Trap. It, g- it goes from the positive to the negative and you can carry it. You haven't seen that, huh?
4: <laughs> no. <laughs> Just make one out of copper or something, yeah? <laughs> they mm. turn red. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. Well, thank you very much, Dave, for coming on and, and talking about the project. I'm really curious if you can make that work on a Coco One and Two. That'd be really cool because we've we've never had a light gun of any sort. We've had like pens on the Coco One and Two. That's as far as I know.
12: Neutroid um, for the gun. There you
4: go. <laughs> so I can shoot the game and put it out of some misery. I like that idea, Nick. You know? <laughs> Actually, Nick, I, did you uh, did you hear our earlier question too? We were asking if you would, if, like, if you can get this working, especially if you can get it working with like Nintendo guns or something. that's a lot more common. Would you be interested in doing a game that actually requires a gun?
12: Not really. No, no. I, mean, I never found uh, light gun games very exciting.
4: Well, yeah, of course, you think neutroids exciting, so that doesn't, you know, that kind of <laughs> explains.
12: Let me tell you why. <laughs> <you
4: thought>. uh, <laughs> Asparagus.
0: Yeah, <laughs> horses for horses. you're asking somebody <laughs>
9: that designed the garbage can. And...
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I do want to shoot. So that actually makes sense. Um, I think, uh, Mark, if you're around there, maybe we should do a commercial break and then I'll just start slamming into the news. We'll just do game on news first, yeah. then straight into the regular news.
9: Commercial break would be great.
5: <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs>
1: Welcome to everybody's favorite segment. Who's new to Discord?
14: Devo says, it's Clive. Thanks for welcoming me. Although I don't own a Coco, I enjoy dabbling with some of its cousins, an MC-10, Tano Dragon and TRS-84P. Current interests are 6803 Assembly and OS-9. Looking forward to learning from this group. Frodo Jedi says, hello everyone. My name is Frodo Jedi, or Frank in real life. I collect a wide range of vintage computing. Mostly Apple and Macintosh computers. Hope you won't hold that against me. I purchased my first TRS-80 and I'm excited about being able to explore the Coco computer scene and learn as much as I can. The previous bios were edited for time. Thanks to, Boyzen, Glenside Computer Club, Kev Hole, Nightbeard, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Tandy Color Computer 3, and the Coco Nation patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.thecoconation.com I wonder, did Fletcher ever stop to think that JT just wanted to spend a little more time with her in the office? But no, she took her TRS-80 Model 100 and was gone.
0: Because cocoing is better together.
14: Hi, I'm John. And I'm Aaron of
10: The Coco Show. And you're watching or listening to The Coco Nation, the live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its cousins.
2: All
8: hail the Coco Nation.
2: Oh. Oh.
7: In a world where RGB produces black and white video, one cable can make a difference switcheroo coco3scartcable.com
12: G'day from the land down under where toilets flush backwards and thongs are a respectable form of casual footwear I am Nick Morentes, and I have been developing games for the Coco for over 35 years. Welcome to the Coco Nation, the interactive live video talk show for all enthusiasts of the Coco family of computers. Hi, I'm Al Curtis
4: Boyle. I'm Ken Waters of Canadian Retro
13: Things. And you're watching the Nation Show.
4: Only the bravest souls enter. Only the most cunning
3: return.
4: Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the King's Scepter, stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom.
0: For the tiny color computer, one, two, and three.
4: November 2017, if you dare.
1: When you want the latest in TRS-80, Tandy, Dragon,
0: MC-10, and all of their hardware cousins,
1: no matter what it takes for where news breaks
3: from around the world to your nation.
7: The Nation News with L. Curtis
4: Boyle. Yeah, that news intro kind of explains exactly why I don't solder anymore. Okay, I'm assuming you're seeing this nice P-Mode Three screen here.
8: Yep. No, we have. A, I see a bunch of Patreons. <laughs> and thank you to all those patreons
4: Yep. Yeah. okay so we got a couple of updates from coco town on youtube um so we did a quick video here that uh, shows what he thinks is the best opening sequence in a coco donkey kong clone game <clears throat> and I, I won't play the whole thing it's only a minute and a half but uh, basically he picks donkey monkey because it actually was original So the standard Donkey Kong, course, has the, you know, gorilla grabs the girl, wanders up the ladders and then stamps and breaks all the girders. So they kind of slant. And uh, Donkey King doesn't have an intro, really, just has the, uh, you know, how high can you climb type thing. But Donkey Monkey has the animation of the gorilla going up the stairs with the girl, but then he goes and plays a little piano piece. And I have always thought that was cute. And I think even when we played Donkey Monkey recently on the Game on Challenge, I think that was something that everybody thought was kind of fun. So you can check out that if you want to see a, a video of that if you've never played Donkey Monkey. And then he did a two-part here on how to modify Donkey King to give uh, 255 lives. So not quite infinite, but you know, good enough for most people. And it's a two-part. So the first part he goes here, it's about seven and a half minutes long. And basically he goes through how he did it back when he was a kid. It was kind of the brute force method, the same as I did. You just run through with peaks going from the start of the code to the end of the code. And you look for for stuff like a load A with three, if it's, you know, defaults to three men or load B with three or whatever. And most of the time that would work because that's how most people would program the game. And once you find the right load A with three, you just poke that three with, you know, 255 and voila. So the first video kind of covers that. And then the second video, which is much longer, it's over half an hour long. This actually goes through details of like how disc files are saved with, you know, the different blocks, et cetera, to, uh, because you can have non-contiguous code being loaded and goes through the using disassembly, using a, a dissembler tool to figure out the actual code for donkey King itself uh, to, to actually like narrow it down. Cause when you do you, when you do the peak method looking for the, you know, load with three, you might find dozens of them. You'd have to just keep trying them all until something works or something crashes instead. So pretty, pretty good deep dive here. And and he goes through a little bit of the donkey King code. You know, it's not the original source from Chris, but it's, it's code that he's kind of generated his own comments and labels for later on. Uh, which actually gets to be pretty interesting with some of the stuff he's uh, going through here. So, I, I would say the second one in particular, if you're worried or, or interested in the deep dive into some of the Donkey King code, uh, it's actually quite interesting. So, kudos to him on that one. And that, that one actually just brought out late last night. So, I haven't even finished watching this video myself yet next up we have uh, Jim Gary has a couple of game updates. So the first one here is quest one ported from the model one, three original by Brian Reynolds, um, which is kind of a, a RPG style game. As you can see here, you're rolling your character, etc., getting your equipment, et cetera, that you need for the game itself. And then it kind of goes into a top view style thing. It almost reminds me of Seamus kind of the way it's laid out and you wander around and get treasures and, beat up monsters etc so that's a pretty cool game the second one it is called gambler originally by randy hawkins in 1982 and uh, this was originally from soft side magazine uh, the january 1982 issue this was originally a model one and three game as well um but basically this is more like it's almost like a random number generator you just you know buy lottery tickets did you win you know, type things so it's a much simpler game i much prefer the first one myself um, hot on the heels of last week when we covered that Paris Surat had released uh, another pack of uh, AGD converted games for the Super Sprite FM Plus board sold by Dragon Plus Electronics, which basically adds the MSX uh, Sprite hardware and the sound hardware to a Cocoa 1-2 or Dragon. Uh, I think it even works on the 3, though I'm not positive. Up top of my head. But uh, he's released another pack with another four games added. So he's got and Rescue, The Escape, and Rescue, Reprisal, Code 112, and Cybermania. So that's basically, I think he did eight games last week. So that's 12 new games for this board. So I have to say at all the third-party enhancement boards, if you're looking for the one that has, seems to have the most software available that uses the new features, the new sound and music and you know, multicolored sprites and stuff here, this definitely seems to be the one that seems to be getting out the gate here with a lot of stuff. So there's some screenshots here. I'm just kind of scrolling through these four new games. And once again, the AGD engine is basically designed for platformers. So in most cases, that's what you'll see. But you can see they're definitely very colorful, 16-color screens and stuff here. So you'd almost look it almost looks like a Coco 3-style game. And then because he's released two of these packs so, so rapid-fire, he's actually updated the big pack. So the big pack is basically his compilation. He does this with the regular AGD games as well uh, that don't require the Super Sprite FM Plus board. But basically he's compiled everything that he's made for that board and he's made one zip file. You can download it and you get all the games in one shot. So you don't have to like keep picking and choosing and adding stuff as he releases. So if you're new to it, you just get your super Sprite from plus, you can get everything up to date in one shot, one zip file. And he's got both dragon and the uh, the cocoa versions here as well. He even included a zip of a screenshot. So if you want to see you know set up something for yourself there where you can see what all the games look like to see which one you want to try playing. And I think, I'm trying to remember last week, I think he was already over 50 games, so he's probably getting close to 60 games now that support the Super Sprite FM Plus, which is really cool. Those are available for download. If you go into the World of Dragon Archive Forms, there's an upload section. And uh, anything that they've done with the AGD stuff, all the downloads are in there in that particular um, group of messages. And you just pop in there and download them as they come up. Next up, uh, David Mitchell, who's been giving Jim... Uh, Gary, a real run for his money lately here about doing MC10 stuff. It's got a couple new MC10 games as well. As you can see in the title screen, this one, this one's called Explosion, originally by Hal Renko and Sam Edwards. And uh, this is originally from a book called Terrific Games for Your Tandy Color. So this originally was a Coco game, now converted to MC10. And I'll play a little clip of this one. That's weird a bit here. So it's kind of a strategy game here where you're playing against the computer. I don't know too much about the game itself, but uh, it's basically a text game with some numbers. I mean, it's almost laid out like tic tac toe at this point. And then he's got the GitHub here where you can actually go download. He's got all of his stuff. He's done Dragon stuff, Coco stuff, and MC10 stuff. So if you go to his GitHub, um, he's got the source code for all of this stuff on there and uh, readme files that kind of explain some of them. So any of the stuff we've covered recently from him and in the future stuff, you can just, you know bookmark his uh, GitHub and he's uploading stuff there pretty well every week at this point. The other one he did here is called Lunar Lander. And uh, this was originally for the dragon 32 by Dr. Tim Langdell in a book called 35 programs for the dragon 32. Now this one, he actually complained in the comments and on the description that it, it, it flickers like mad. Cause basically the game loop draws the ship and the, the terrain and it immediately blacks it all out, does the calculations as to what's you know where things have to move, and then redraws it, and then immediately blanks it out again. So the game loop is kind of favoring the blank screen instead of the actual graphics on the screen. So it doesn't play as well as it could. I think a bit of a rewrite would probably solve a lot of this. But you can see here, and I don't know how well this is coming through on the stream here, but it's it's flickering like mad, and it's half the time if you took a look, it it looks like it's basically blank.
12: <laughs> like a Z- ZX eighty.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. <clears throat> Except that you could definitely fix on, on the Dragon code of the MC10 just by changing the way the game loop structure works. So but I'm glad he's doing all these conversions here. The next one here, uh, this is actually for Nick. Um, a page called GeoPapas um, actually did a minute and a half video showing uh, Nick's 4K Space Invaders. that only requires Color Basic because um, obviously with 4K, you couldn't run Extended Basic because the default PClear 4 would already overfill memory. Um, now, I remember, Nick, this was originally meant for a 4K programming contest. I think Alan Huffman was sponsoring, but Alan that Huffman, never yes. actually happened. Did it? No. I, think, I no, know there's some was submissions, but I don't think. Yeah. I, I know there was one or two people that did do entries, but I don't think Alan ever picked one. So
12: No, no, he didn't. So that was my entry. And uh, yeah, it, uh, I just made it a free download game. So you yeah, lost written. by default. Yeah, that's right. So it's just all written in color Basic. No machine language.
4: Yeah, and fits in 4K, which is pretty...
12: And it's was yeah. it a keyboard
4: or, or joystick-driven? I can't really keyboard. remember Keyboard. Okay. Keyboard, yeah. Wicked sound, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> sound? That's wicked.
4: Not bad for 4K, though, I have to say. It was better than the Space Invaders mm-hmm. I attempted when I first got my Coco back in right.
12: And the, And the Invaders m- move like the original in that they Don't all move at once, they're done row by row.
4: Yeah, they so kind of staggered that ripple effect,
12: which is what the original arcade did as well. So,
4: yeah, now this is this would have been a good entry for that contest. I'm I, I know there's now like you know one liner, ten liner, etc., you know, the limits of the mm-hmm. line length of each line. I don't know if this would qualify, to, I've never seen a source for this one, I've never bothered to look, but uh. You should maybe re-enter it in one of these other ones if it qualifies within the, the stipulations they have for some of these smaller programming things here. Because It's a good enough game, I would say. It'd probably compete well with other platforms.
12: was well, the first time I ever did something in Color Basic. Gee, there's not, not much you can do in Color Basic. <laughs> not in
4: 4K, right. especially. Because <laughs> basically, I think once Basic 4K. boots, you got, what, 2,300 bytes free?
12: Yeah, not, you don't even get the full 4K.
4: Yeah, now it's kind of neat to have and that one just pop up out of nowhere from somebody I've never heard of. And then he did a second video, which is Astral Storm for the Dragon 32 and the 64. Um, and basically, I, I'm gonna uh, my comment here in my own notes is I consider this a reverse of what I consider to be normal because this is a Dragon conversion from a Jim Gary MC10 game. So Jim is normally famous for taking you know stuff from other platforms, Dragon Coco vz200s sinclair zx spectrums whatever else and converting it to the mc10 this went the other direction it took one that jim wrote and he's converted it to the dragon from the mc10 version so uh not something you normally see go that direction even now sports double speed if you uh have one that sports. i think all the dragons support double speed didn't they and, and i think all the cocos from the eboard on pretty well did some of the c's and d's didn't
12: but you could well Fixed not that. double speed, the. Uh...
4: Well, the ROM speed up.
12: Yeah. So well, not full only... double
4: speed. No, that's. No, no. But that still gave you a good 30 to 40% speed increase in basic programs. So still. Yeah, a- yeah, it does. Yeah. As you can see, it's basically you're trying to steer your arrow from the right hand side through this asteroid field of uh, hitting stuff. And you can tell by the negative score here, he's not doing too well in the demo. <laughs> no. But it's, I like the fact that he actually, instead of just putting like black blocks or black circles as asteroids, he actually tried to draw some detail on them. I thought that was quite, quite nice. Uh, next up here, say Retro Programming um, has done an update on his uh, Tales of Suburbia because he's been doing that sort of Ultima um, inspired game more so recently. He's got like Nick several game projects on the time and when he gets flustered with one or hits a bug that he can't solve, he just switches back to a different one. Same as Nick. And I do that too. I'll be totally honest. Um, I won't play the video here because it's 14 minutes long, but he kind of goes through some of the play and some of the design of how he's doing things where he switches to a text screen. If you're searching something, for example, to give a description and you're, you're able to walk around almost 3D-ish and it's all done in basic. There's no fancy stuff here. He doesn't have background masking because it's slowed things down a little bit too much, even though basic does support it in an indirect way. Um, But it, it doesn't look too bad. I mean, most of the time people just you know, drew stuff over top anyway. If you're writing in basic, but because he's using copy in the background, it actually looks a lot smoother than some of the other early efforts I remember seeing back in the day. Um
12: Do you know if there's a uh, utility for the Coco One and Two that uses the high-res mode for text, but in P-Mode Three? I mean, I know there's P-Mode Four ones, but ah, uh, yeah, there, there is.
4: There's there's a few I've seen. Um, so it'd be They're a bit more you, limited, uh, obviously, in res because you only get 128 pixels wide. Yeah,
12: but if, if you design the uh, the fonts right, it should look good. Then you can. Yeah, have... it just it
4: just most of the time you do that with drawstrings and stuff, and he's already using a fair bit of memory for keeping track of all these rooms and all the objects and everything else that you can interact with. So I don't know if you'd have right. enough memory to fit it in a whole font is this, on top of it.
12: Yeah, this is P Mode three, isn't
4: it? I think this is, is actually P Mode one.
12: Ah, geez. But he's he's got see.
4: a second copy of the background on, you know, a later page that you can't see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when he's, instead of, you know, trying to redraw everything manually, with draw statements and paint and all that yeah. stuff, he just, you know, P copies it over really fast and then redraws the character yeah. over top of that. So yeah, I can play a little bit sense. of it just to kind of give you an idea.
2: Um, now
10: one of he's the got a little bits like, of music I I in it can't too, but move the character
4: because of the sort of it here
10: have music chip support separate from the
4: bias or um so it can't you can see the kind of the green box around it if I was just to keep the, speed yeah, on, yeah, yeah. the yeah. I
2: could
4: do You you can do the this double hardware, puts with not masks and all that kind of stuff but it definitely here, does slow yeah, things down. It's um says the sh- well, in this case I think the the option of having a fairly decent speed at the you know fact that you have this little green box following your character around is still probably better than running at half the speed.
12: Especially and on later levels. Using the, uh, is he using the speed-up poke? I wonder. I don't
4: think he is. I keep mentioning that to him, because I, I think he wanted to make sure it works on every Coco, but honestly, as I was mentioning before, I think all Dragon supported it, all Coco 2 supported it. Yeah. I, I think, think all so. Coco 1s from the E-board on, so unless you have a, a very rare C-board or one of the old D boards and even, even if you do have those, if you go to the old Rainbows from like 82 or Color Computer News from 82, they tell you how to modify the Cocoa to fix that so that it does work. So it, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to use it, I would think. Anyway, if you want to yeah. have a bit of an update on this tale Suburbia going through uh, stage two. He's progressing that. quite well. Yep. And like I said, he's, he's doing multiple games at once, too, just like Nick. <laughs>
12: yeah. well, that's and the here... way you learn.
4: Yeah, well, it also helps kickstart your brain. Like you are mentioning, like a sleep can sometimes do it where you can spend hours trying to figure out a bug or some stupid routine you can't get working and then you sleep on it and then you wake up and like, geez, well, that's how you do it. Why didn't I think of that yesterday? But there's some other times where that doesn't work and you go, I still don't get it. And then you go do a complete different project which shifts your brain into a different gear and then you come back like a couple days or a week later and then it's obvious. And that sometimes is what I have to do as well. What's the electron
12: game there? That's the uh, clone of Tron from Spectral. This is the Dragon version, Ah, obviously. Yeah, I do know that. Mm. Yeah, okay.
4: So this is um, the person that keeps renaming his page every year. Um, The only way it's Cuthbert GA on this particular case. So he's done some more updates on Dragon long plays. Now, this is different than he used to do in the old days. where he did a quick one minute snippet. So he's doing like five to 10 minute videos. Um, but he's once again, he's got the original cassettes, he's got the original cassette artwork, etc. And uh, a lot yeah, of these cool. are games from North America that we've seen before, like Mr. Dig was from Computer, or Demon Seed was from uh, Computer Shack slash Mitch Tron. Uh, Robin Hood was a uniquely UK-based game. Invaders Revenge is a Ken Kalish originally from Med Systems, and you know, Electron was really spectral, so... Uh, I I still like looking at older artwork, but I also like the fact that he's doing long plays now. So you can actually see like multiple levels and you can get more feeling of the gameplay than the the quick ones he was doing before. So if you want to check out some of those there, you can kind of play the games. The Dark Pit, like we mentioned last week that Ken and I went to the Vintage Geek Museum in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we got uh, volunteered to uh, do a video on the electronic book that Tandy sold. And the Dark Pit is actually, if I remember correctly, I think that's one of the games that actually supports the electronic book. You can actually play the game using that. Um, so that's one of the few programs besides educational titles because this is strictly a game title that actually did support that use of that book. So I may have to pick one up here because I've never tried a game like a fun game, not just an educational game, with the electronic book. I'd like to see how they use that interface. Like, how would you use that in a game like this? All hey, right, that's the. Uh... Game on news. So let me switch over to the main one, which is a little bit more to it.
12: And now to go to the bigger pillar. Pardon me. What was that, Mark? No, oh, just
4: no. It's oh, the same. It's the same right. one. It basically covers. Same the one. Yeah. Here's news. Hi, <laughs> there. You go. Nick's, Nick's the official uh, intro sponsor. <laughs> Who's that schmuck? <laughs> <laughs> so jason since you're actually on here this is uh chicago Cocoa fest day two so you did a day one that we briefly talked about last last week um anything that really stands out i'm just gonna mute and start playing in the background so people can get kind of a feel for it oh is there well, anything it's... that particularly stood out in day two for you
10: oh well uh, on day two i got to um i got to have an actual cup of hot cocoa when i made sure to Document that, but but seriously, uh, I I got to go over and uh, there, well, there's Brian the Music Man. Uh, I got to see his setup. But went over and uh talked to the folks that had the uh, battery operated cocos with the uh, drill batteries. That was uh that was quite interesting. I Yeah, I, we still I have to get him that.
4: and his son on on onto the show. I, does anybody have contact info for him, or is he on Discord? Flutterball. Let me write that down because I think I forgot to write it down last time. Because basically having David on earlier was like the first of the the things I'm planning for people that had new products and stuff at Cocoa Fest or something you know, that was uh, very interesting. And uh, Flutterball is one I also want to get on. There's a few others too. So And that was the wireless Cocos and the battery-driven Cocoa, right?
10: Right, right. And Brian's playing Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy in MIDI there for me. And I'm trying yeah, to... Yeah, using remember, Jim mid to... version of the MIDI pack. Right, right. Yeah, I was... And it it was early. I didn't. It, I didn't quite uh, recognize the song right away. He had to point it out to me, and then I was like, "Oh, okay." yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yes, happy, happy, joy, joy. Said so it was my theme song, but um,
4: I'm just gonna try to see if I can find a little bit of what the wireless will play. That there's oh, auction. El Presidente. A2. Yeah. you remember roughly where in the video it would be? Oh, oh there's I Grant. Did... Get that off the screen. Yeah, yeah.
10: Grant. That's it's a little. Oh, yeah, there, I'm getting some cocoa with yeah. And uh, I don't know, probably about three quarters away. Oh, there, there was the uh, winner of the David Ladd uh, lookalike contest. Yeah, it was too bad that David <laughs> lost that. But, uh, yeah, he came in second place. <laughs> now, there's Mr. A- Weasler and his uh, his uh, cocoa kit in a case.
9: Was it you uh, that said they- you were going to put
10: um, mushrooms in your cocoa? That was Grant he said he was going to put <laughs> mushrooms I'm like do you mean marshmallows yeah yeah he was he was tired too he
9: yeah, I guess
10: put a, of, put a lot of work into it but um yeah, CP400 yeah some of the uh brazilian stuff there and I said oh there's the brazilian manual it's, he got the manual for it all you have to do is learn portuguese now to, ah, it.
6: There it is. There he my is. is. So He's
4: so a natural-born salesman. I just about bought stuff from him. didn't understand what I was buying. So this is powered yep. off of a uh,
10: a drill a, a, a drill battery. Okay.
2: And
0: there's
4: with
6: oh, it? Okay. I
4: still like the fact that you can mount all the stuff on there without having to make a single modification to <laughs> the case. Absolutely. It
6: runs Nitrous 9.
4: That's the important part. It runs Nitrous 9. So. Uh, I know. I knew he'd have you right <laughs> at
10: that point, Curtis. Do you?
0: <laughs> Working the crowd, man. <laughs>
10: Uh, he he was he was even selling he had uh, some magnets he was selling too. Which, uh, Did
9: anyone say how long you can go with one of those batteries? He said up to six hours. Wow, oh, wow! And, and they he
4: said the bigger batteries. batteries
10: you can actually go longer. And the Coco Three on the on the far end that we're seeing now that. That actually ha- he has a wireless video sender on that too, so that one's completely wireless, uh, right to yep. the yeah. Uh, you just plug uh, your STC there.
4: and you can wander around the room, and it'll actually do your typing, et said it will come out on the main screen wirelessly.
10: Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that was cool.
4: Yeah, I definitely want to have them on. So now that I was Flutterball because I forgot to write down last time, then I will uh, arrange him. And uh, for the, for the rest of you, because I did not even get a chance to get to half the booths during the entire show because I kept getting you know peppered with questions and stuff. Um, if, we, if any of you know of anything, it can be your own products, it could be somebody else's um, that you thought was really interesting and fairly new that we haven't seen before, let me know who those people are. And then if you have contact information for them, definitely send me that an email or Discord handle or whatever. I want to try to get them on like maybe one or two per week and try to kind of go through and try to highlight some of the products. So there's a reason we had David on to talk about both the, the null modem cables for you know p51 etc and then also to talk about the dicom thing this would be one too i'll definitely want to line up and i talked to him a bit about it at the show but if you guys have any other people or your own stuff that you want to kind of plug through and and go through for kind of a follow-up at the fest i'd love to do that too so just send me messages in discord
12: you think we can get this kid
4: yo he's the kid's coming on he's already uh him him and his father are both planning on coming on because
10: he also made a commercial too i think didn't he i think so yes
4: I think it was one putting me into a compromising situation or something. If I remember maybe letting my hair in fire or something. I'm not sure.
12: <laughs> we want to see that.
4: Yeah. But he's the one who was kind of the mastermind behind it. The kid was. So, you know, even young kids want me dead. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, we should be my replacement. A, <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's already plugging nitrous OU, so He's halfway there.
12: <laughs> no, he's contaminated. But anyway.
11: <laughs> <laughs> what if he did EOU
10: and Neutroid oh my right,
4: God. I
10: think that would I think that would disrupt the space time continuum
4: that would be an antimatter <laughs> explosion at that point I think I mean anyway, I'm going to try to Sorry line that. up one or two of these so any any of the stuff you guys have yourselves like uh, Rick you and Henry and, if, and maybe Deke I wouldn't mind having you guys on to talk about some of the networking stuff you're fiddling with which I never got a chance to talk to you guys about um, you know the stuff like that. Uh Henry was doing all kinds of weird stuff, from what I saw.
0: Yeah, um, we we have things. <laughs> so-
4: <Hi>, David, <laughs> David, and, and Mark, you, you guys can come on and talk about some of the you know PS2 mouse adapter stuff. Which I have one now, and I found the missing power supply was in the wrong bag. Um, So I'm actually going to start flipping with trying to get the drivers fixed. But I gotta find my high res interface yet. But I know even the regular ones a little bit off, especially the gimme exits. It's totally off. So I got to fix those. But now that I actually have the hardware. To, to do it on i can actually start working on that but anything else you guys could think of just uh, let me know on discord see if we
10: can get that canadian guy with the that wears the hawaiian shirts <laughs> see if we can get him on i hear he's hard to get a hold of i didn't see david carrick wearing a
4: hawaiian shirt so. <laughs> <laughs> this i won't force you guys to watch any of this because uh, i'm playing sure. on it and it sucks but it's an hour and a half of me half remembering pieces of songs basically. And then, all real can, talented people singing and, and stuff.
0: All I can say is, whenever I'm laid back, feeling lazy, and don't want to practice, I can play this, and I'll get up off my butt and go practice.
9: See, yeah, didn't didn't, didn't, uh, didn't Fred have that horn hooked up to a cocoa?
4: Nope.
9: <laughs> see, see that's that's see that's
10: why I made the video for inspiration in whatever way it may be, right? <laughs>
4: An inspiration for everyone to buy earplugs. That would be my my guess. <laughs> but Rick, yeah, definitely we should at, at least the very the two of us. I mean, Fred and I did come up with two songs that we did try to kind of learn. I think that actually didn't go too badly. I don't know if Jason got those recorded though. I don't think. He uh, did. But you know, I think he, it was too early.
10: Uh, I don't know. He was he was singing Chicago at one point. I, I I don't know.
4: No, he was playing trumpet on a different Chicago song though. That was the pretty one we started with.
10: Yeah, pretty much all the jam footage I have like 99 point some minuscule amount percent of footage i have from the jam session is in that video so that's yeah well you
4: there's, caught there's nothing else you, yeah. yeah but uh rick you and i should get together i think you're more of a 70s rock guy i'm probably a bit more late 70s early 80s on average but i definitely have my right. phone playing earlier stuff
9: so uh zz top was there no that's rick
0: well i, I kept that back because it didn't fit into the show
4: <laughs> yeah, Ricky Gibbons. uh <laughs> Yeah, Ricky, Ricky Gibbons didn't really fit in with the,
0: the other four here. And,
4: uh, well, I mean, I definitely play correct. some of the same stuff you do. I just, I, I'd have to learn the specific song. So we can come up with a set would, of like five or six and actually learn them all the way through and we'll figure out who's doing lead, who's doing rhythm.
0: Exactly.
4: Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I, I do could that. really,
0: I would have to really tone down my Oingo Boingo to. To fit Taylor in. <laughs> <laughs> That's
4: the other thing too, like Taylor and Amy, who are some of the best singers, especially Taylor, she's a phenomenal singer. Yeah, she's good. Um they're they're 10 years younger than me. So I mean they're gonna learn stuff probably in the 90s like maybe we should do some like Pearl Jam or you know something along that line from the oh. 90s.
0: <laughs> we need some some uh, amplification. <laughs>
4: So my, I vow to actually learn some songs all the way through <laughs> instead of me trying to remember them half-assed Likewise. and uh, maybe come up with a bit of a set list. We'll, we'll pick a few songs that Rick and I can both learn and have lyric sheets printed out so that anybody wants to come up and sing them, doesn't have to try to remember what was verse three type of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. mind doing like loose blues jams and stuff, but those are a bit boring for people that sing. Because most people don't improvise.
0: Let's let's do fish.
4: All before. I I
10: hope you can work it out this time.
4: Yeah. I think the only people that actually had songs like start to finish ready to go was Rick and Taylor and Amy. When the rest of us, you know, just kind of winged it.
0: Did something weird. Right. Yeah. Oh, new Discord channel, the copyright strikes.
4: Actually, I was kind of flattered because they copy-striked a lot of my stuff that I was playing, so obviously I was so playing it fairly close. <laughs> yeah, that's that,
10: That's why I stuck that on my Coco Man channel, not on my Fairly Amused vlog channel. I just uh-huh.
4: didn't want to deal with it. Curtis is a that.
0: little too good.
4: Yeah, so. yeah, I never thought I'd hear those words uttered out of anybody's mouth. Never mind. <laughs> well, no, Nick never has said that to me, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, next up, and actually, we have the author that I think is still on the call. Uh, Mr. Bob Emery, if you're hearing us, uh, this is your uh, setting up a GoTech. So I'm going to mute it, and if you just want to kind of mention what you're exactly covering here, except you're muted and you kind of just walk yeah. away. There we go. There the we go. Yeah,
5: yeah. I'm just uh, looking at uh, my controller there with the built-in guide select and setting up a GoTech from scratch. This was a, a request from one of the Discord users. Yeah, David Ladd, I think it was actually. Um, it wasn't David. Oh, was it wasn't? Okay. Go I through, know he uh, thanked you for it, so I thought it was
4: him. Yeah. Go through choosing one. Um, what now, this we- is something I was not aware of. So, there's different types of GoTeX, and some don't work or don't work as well.
12: They all The can. firmware.
5: Yeah, they all can work. It's just that the newest one with the larger screen, you can't get that screen. Like these are, it's the same size LCD, but the board is different. That board won't fit. Although I did see on a another channel where you can actually separate the LCD from the board and like lay the board back in there and it'll work. But that seems like a lot of trouble. To me, it's worth just paying the 50 bucks for the good one rather than paying yeah, well 30 bucks and having to do all that work. But also go through the full uh, downloading and installing Flash Floppy. Um, actually running the the firmware setup how to do some troubleshooting if your drive doesn't show up in the programmer uh kind of three special specific things to look for and then how to set up an actual usb uh thumb drive to get it running
4: and then you have this the config file here where I am guess you're setting parameters for the emulated drives. Yeah,
5: that's basically a default file. And I just kind of scrolled through the whole thing and changed the few settings that we have to change to get it working. And then a couple of display settings that you'll need to configure, you know, for whatever you're actually using.
4: I mean, to be honest, this, um, when I saw this, this looked a lot more complicated than I was expecting for what I just assumed was a floppy. I mean, maybe I'm just spoiled from the Coco SCC. But this covers sure, like it. a variety of machines, so exactly. you have a lot of options.
5: Yeah, originally, I think it was for Amigas, and they support a lot more. I mean, even the pins on the drive, the Coco doesn't
4: use. Yeah. But uh, So, yeah, I mean, for myself good. personally, I would probably recommend a Coco SEC if you're just doing Coco stuff because it's just a lot oh, simpler. Yeah, but if you're a multi-platform retro computer enthusiast, like say, can or, and if you actually have floppy drives that you would like to convert
5: to virtual disks, uh, a GoTech and a real floppy drive is a great combination.
4: Yeah, because you can use an SEC and a, and a GoTek at the same time, can't you? Because I because it just plugs into the regular disk controller, correct?
5: You- you would need a uh, a multi-pack yeah if, well, if you don't have a multi-pack then you'll need a a go and
4: a controller yeah because i brought my floppy drives down um with my echo sdc and i've actually I've transferred a ton of stuff in you know, between with the multi-pack as you mentioned mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah if you don't have the multi-pack it's a little more
5: complicated but
4: yeah, I know 100%. Rick. You're working on multi packs, and hopefully Ed starts getting his back in stock again, since he actually had some Coco STCs show up in stock recently. Exactly. So hey, Bob, thanks, thanks for making that video, because that I learned a lot more about the GoTech than I had known before. I like I said, I didn't know it had all these options here. So it looks like it'll cover just yeah. about anything you could hook up to it.
5: Yeah, the main ones that I found important. Uh, Is just as far as the interface was uh, increasing the time on the auto selection from two seconds to three seconds. When you're trying to use that encoder, especially with my uh, old blurry eyes, I can't read those things in two seconds often, you know.
4: Okay. Okay. Well, I know, Dave, thank you to ready, but I'll thank you as well. It was a really informative video.
5: Yep. Got more on the way.
4: And you like Rush. That's always awesome, too. Hey, can't go wrong. Oh, did you finally get a chance for me to, to check out that uh, video that Jason put up for the jam session? Because I think I actually did have a little bit of the Rush theme song you used. So I, I learned yeah, like I 10 know, seconds of it.
5: <laughs> I found your time code. You're at um one hour, three minutes, and 13 seconds in.
4: Holy crap. You stayed awake that entire time?
5: Pretty much. I almost... Started to uh, comment with specific set list. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, next up in the news, we have a couple from Alan Huffman. So the first one here was optimizing basic for speed versus size. And that these are usually, well, not usually, I should say, they're more often than not mutually exclusive. Because um, if you unroll something, it's going to take more space code-wise, but will run faster. Um, there are certain techniques, of course, you can use that actually do both. And he goes through a whole bunch of them here and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, divides them up as the ones that are optimized more for space or others are optimized more for speed with a lot of program examples showing you how to do specific things like this. So that's pretty good. If you're just writing basic programs, then this is for regular, you know, extended basic, super extended basic, dis basic, et cetera. Um, if you're trying to fit something that's, you know, in 16K, for example, or if you're trying to get a, you know, a game or a certain, utility you're writing to run as fast as humanly possible without having to resort to ml subroutines etc this is a really good article it kind of summarizes a bunch of techniques all in one shot and then a second one here was follow-up to the one we covered last week Cocoa disk basic disk structure so on the first part he kind of covered how a directory track on the Cocoa works what a granule is and and kind of you know the bare necessities of the granule thing here he does the deep dive into you know the the actual file allocation table and how it flags if it's, you know, the last granule of uh, a file, and then it switches to how many sectors are left in that one and how many bytes are left. So he goes through the the nitty-gritty details of how the directory structure and the granule tables, et cetera, work. Um, so if you've ever wondered about that, he's also got a nice uh, sample basic program that goes through a lot of this stuff. It actually figures out the exact byte size of files going through the directory structure manually um, in basics. So if you want the number of bytes that a program takes rather than the number of granules, this program will do it for you. Good deep dive. Next up, this is kind of a fascinating one for me. I did not use flex that much in the old days. I did fiddle with it for a bit around 8283 uh before OS9 came out and it's basically kind of between this basic and, and OS9. It's a real operating system. So it has abstractions for doing files and and doing, you know, text and graphics, etc. Um but Mikey is going to be doing this multi-part series on Flex because he's actually managed to recover some of the original Flex disks from back then at least as close as he can. And I'd kind of forgotten how many versions of Flex were ported to the Cocoa. So, originally, um, Flex came out in 78, 79, I think it was. And it was originally um, by TSC, Technical System Consultants, I believe. But there was uh, Steve Oddneal did the first port, and I think that required an Extron drive, because when that version came out, Tandy's floppy drives weren't even out yet. They were still running cassette as far as Tanny was concerned. And then Spectral had one called Flex Plus. Frank Hogg, of course, had their version of Flex. There might have even been a fourth one later on. I don't remember. Um, but he's done this first blog kind of just going through the history of Flex. And you'll see a couple strange things here. So I'll just mute because um, there's a little bit of music here. But uh here's a little intro to this particular chapter on Flex. Shows an original Frank Hogg system disk here that says Color Computer Flex, but it says copyright 1979. Now, those of you that know Coco history know the Coco was not released or not even announced until July 1980.
12: Yeah.
4: So basically, this is more referring to the fact that 5.0.4, which is the version number you see in the top right of the label, that's the version of Flexa was ported to Coco. That is copyright 1979 um but obviously the coco version didn't come out till you know probably 81 i think is when the first frank hogg ads started showing up uh 68 micro journal but he goes through a fair bit of it he goes through um you know the spectra one he that. goes through some sorry okay um going through the history here like when you know, the cocoa was first announced and and you know kind of going through when radio shack started upgrading and adding stuff like you know 32k ram um, then going through some of the old ads in Rainbow from 81, 82. Uh, here they're mentioning in the November 1981 issue of Rainbow that the Tandy disk system finally came out in July of 81, so about a year after the COCO was announced. And, of course, it was hideously expensive. Here's when, the, when they started advertising the 32K kits finally, uh, which is the 82 catalog. Here's the original Steve Oddneal uh, version sold by Datacomp, a flex for the color computer. And he goes into something that's a little bit of uh, interesting history here. Originally, when Frank Hogg did the port of Flex, it was originally for $200, and then he cut the price in half and then later cut it again. But in his early ads, he also started advertising the fact that he was going to be doing a version of OS 9 for the Cocoa. In fact, you can see that right here. And I I think we covered some of this on the uh, Frank Hogg interview we did a couple years back. But basically, that never happened. He was working. On getting OS9 and Flex both ported to the Cocoa. OS9 is a bit more complicated, so that was going to be second. But basically, Flex was the first one he got out. But they were going to be the official people porting Flex, or sorry, OS9 to the Cocoa. And that never happened. I, I don't even know if this version ever got sold or if this all was pre-ads. But basically, unknown to Frank, Microware and Tandy started talking directly to each other. And eventually, Tandy started selling OS9 in September, August of 1983, totally on their own. And, of course, they kept selling it through Level 2 and version 1.01, version 1.1, version 2 of OS9 Level 1. And, of course, they sold games and applications and stuff with the actual operating system included in it for it to run. So this is kind of a... I wouldn't say false advertising. They did start the programming of this to get you know, Cocoa drivers for the Bitbanger and and for the video chip and the sound PIAs, everything else. But it never got completed because this kind of behind-the-scenes deal was going between Microware and Tandy. And, of course, they brought it out on their own. So this was a rather fascinating video. If you want a bit of history on Flex in particular, but even a little bit of the OS9 before Tandy brought it out. And where it might have gone if, if Tandy had not done that. Uh, it's a pretty fascinating video. So I'm looking forward to the other parts of this too. But I know he's actually got it running. Um, the version of uh, Spectral's was called Flex Plus, And there was some code he found on one of the disk images there that mentions uh, checking for the supercharger. I don't know if anybody here has been around the Coco long enough to remember what the heck a Spectral supercharger was. But that was originally a 64K RAM upgrade that you plugged into this actual cartridge port. So their big ad was you don't have to modify your cocoa because if you ever tried to upgrade a D board or C board to run 64k, there's a lot of stuff you got to do. There's bent pins and wires and cutting traces on the circuit board and all kinds of stuff. It's not for the faint hearted. And uh, Spectral was selling the 64k upgrade that went through the cartridge port specifically. So there was no soldering, no nothing. You just plugged it in and voila, you get 64k and there's Flex Plus. Use the supercharger as one of the options. Now, from what Mikey said, it does actually work. On a uh, regular 64 rated Coco, so I think it auto-detected whatever was different about the Spectre one. I've never seen a Coco with that board plugged into the cartridge port, so I don't know too much about it. I just remember seeing the ads. So I'm really interested to see what else the hidden little bits he's going to find as he goes through his Flex journey, and what he thinks of the various versions of Flex. And I don't even know, honestly myself, how, how much of a difference there was between all the different types of Flex that were available. So I'm curious on that as well. So uh, looking forward to your future episodes, Mike.
12: So was Flex really very CPM-ish, essentially.
4: Yeah, from my brief playing of it, it does seem to be. I mean, it did support you know running executables just by typing the name of the the command, much right. like CPM. Uh, instead of like load m and then exec or run whatever type thing, you just typed in, you know, Sailor Man and then it would run. That's a yeah. bad example. They never made Sailor Man for Flex. And of course, it supported you know higher floppy drives like Tandy's disk. Basic supported thirty-five track, single-sided. That's it. Yeah. They supported eighty track, double-sided. So you could get seven hundred twenty k on a disk, uh, or three disks, or whatever. Um, it was more for, I guess, the hobbyist, serious user, uh, or people that were doing uh, assembler, and they had a bunch of languages available for it, like Cobol and Fortran and forth, and compiled basic, and you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, similar to what OS9 had later on as well. Uh, It did not multitask. It was not multi-user as far as uh, logging people in the same time. So it wasn't quite as advanced, but it also gave you more free RAM. So you could write bigger programs than a level one system could do in the same amount of, you know, 64 K. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, if OS9 had not taken off or not been sold by Tandy, it probably would have been the, you know, the business user slash serious hobbyist operating system. But we'll see, because Mike's going to be doing a lot of other videos based on this. I'm kind of curious what else what else he finds. Next up, we have uh, Dave here, who was in the chat earlier. I don't know if he still is. He was kind of going through because some people were asking, how do you take you know artwork you've done on a PC or a Mac or a Linux box and get it onto a Cocoa to run on a 16-color screen for Cocoa 3? So Dave does his method um, where he's creating stuff in, I think, Paint Shop Pro? And then he tells it to downscale it, and you got a bunch of options for, like, dithering and pure color and different colors that's trying to match. And then he shows you how to, com- you know, copy those files over to the Cocoa after splitting them into 8K chunks so then you can just use pokes and load M's to map in different MMU blocks. You can actually load in a full 32K screen in BASIC fairly easily. I'm sure, Nick, this is what you do too if you're loading a title screen or something or even some of your graphic stuff.
12: I so, use um, Roger Taylor's uh, projector program.
4: Yeah, and I usually use uh, Tim Cancel's view program because I can convert a GIF yeah. to a, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, this is Dave's method, and he's actually got some samples and he does a step by step of what he's using. And I think all the programs he's using are free. So this isn't going to cost you anything. Um, he's got, you know, some utilities for hacking, you know, hex parts of the uh, headers off of disk basic uh, or sorry, BMP headers and stuff like that to strip them out because you won't be using them on the Cocoa side. So. Um, pretty pretty good detailed video. So if you want some information on that, that's available on YouTube. Next up, Classic Computing Log. And I'm I'm not sure who this is. Does anybody else know of this channel? It's only a five subscribers. So I don't know if any of you have even heard of it, but they did an over half hour kind of summary of the fest. And one thing I liked about this is that uh, for everybody that he talked to or took photos of their booth, if they weren't around, he actually labeled each one in, on the actual video itself. Like this is Mark Overholzer. You know, this is um, Canadian retro things, et cetera. So he actually goes through and you can, you know, if you're looking at a project and it looks really cool or something on their screen looked really cool. Instead of trying to remember who the heck was that again that did that, it's actually labeled. So you can actually figure out pretty good. I won't play that because it's over half an hour, but definitely worth worthwhile checking out if you're trying to remember who did what at the fest, which is something I need to do to you know get some more guests on here to talk about the projects. Ah, uh, Ken. This is partly cocoa related and partly not. So I will let you explain what that means, and I'll fast forward a bit here and uh, talk away, sir.
6: Okay. Well, this is just basically a show and tell video of everything I picked up at Cocoa Fest and on my trip home. Um, I bought a few things. Uh, well, like I got this uh, Adam off of Sloopy at uh, Cocoa Fest, and I bought a few games off of him. Plus, I picked up some cocoa related products but on the way home i had somebody donate a box of two boxes of stuff to my channel which uh contained a lot of stuff a lot of floppy disks so i'm sure that if uh that's
4: um, one of the boxes there right
6: yeah that's that's the main box
4: including your pistol grip joystick which is a good
6: pistol grip joystick uh i think what six things of floppy disks and games like. It's just uh it was a lot
4: <laughs> nice now is this somebody you met at the fest or is this somebody you'd pre-arranged with before uh no,
6: this is somebody I pre-arranged before because um he he actually lived on the uh, my route coming home from uh Coco Fest so oh, okay, this way I could just pick this stuff up rather than paying like five hundred dollars to have it all shipped
4: yeah, I know about that um <laughs> <laughs> And FedEx has been doing much better. Two packages have already been delivered. Actually, three, I guess, because Grant said his has received these courts, you know, hunting tornadoes because he's insane. Um, but, Mark, you still have not received anything, have you?
3: No, I haven't uh, seen anything. I did Last day, I was checked. was yesterday, so okay. no notification so, or anything like that,
4: so I don't think... Yeah, well, I see. haven't had checks to see if she's responding yet, but I did ask Taylor if she had a tracking number for your particular package. because I'd, I'd like to get Thank this you. cleaned up. It's only been a month. No. Yeah, well... You
2: know, <laughs> for
3: overnight on Saturday first. delivery. <laughs> I'm on the far side of the country, so, you know, I figure, yeah, I don't mind.
4: I'll live. In the meantime, I think David Ladd's already finished all of his chocolates now. He might have had one left out of six. Yeah. Uh, so, Ken, before I go on to the next uh, story, I just wanted, uh, it doesn't have to be Coca-related, but what was the uh, either the most impressive or the thing you lust over the most out of all the stuff you bought during this entire trip?
6: Um, ooh, good that question. like a Commodore cartridge. Yeah, that was a Commodore cartridge, a mystery Commodore uh, cartridge, so ew. I just have to fix my Commodore so I can, because, you know, my Commodore is Commodore's perpetually broken. Ooh, that's an IBM PC card. That Tandy 1200 yeah. card. Yeah. I don't know what I uh, like the best. Probably that pistol. Well, I mean, so far, the thing that I've used the most is that pistol grip joystick. <laughs>
4: Yeah, and that one, actually, if I remember, that works on the Tandy 1000 series as well. So if you have one it of those, does, it, yeah. it's you just straight plug it in and away you go. Cool. And then you got a bunch of pirate, I mean, backups of disks here. Yes, so.
6: off-site backups. <laughs> I just have no idea what system they're for, because none of them are labeled with the, what system they're for.
4: Yeah, and I did, I did recognize some titles that were cross-platform, so I couldn't even help yeah. you. Like, I, I can go, I remember that game, but it's on the Apple and the Atari and the c64 and you know the spectrum or something
6: i think I... they're most they should all be atari apple or commodore so
4: okay so this guy didn't have any coco stuff as far as discs went no it is so you got a lot of stuff you can reformat using a real computer Is
6: like, right? <laughs> that one? yeah that's an apple 2gs uh
12: right
6: three and a half inch but then who knows what all those offsite backups are i guess i can just keep trying them in my different systems so they work
4: yeah if you're really lucky you might find a copy of uh, cosmic bomber my nick mrennis for the model 1 and 3 that he lost years ago yeah good luck
6: <laughs> i don't think there's any model <laughs> 1 or 3 games in there
4: no. no i didn't i didn't see any anyway it's a really cool uh, video a lot of cool stuff picked up it's definitely a lot of multi platform it's not strictly cocoa. There is cocoa stuff snuck in there. Obviously, the stuff you got from the fest itself. You got some cocoa stuff, and then the pistol grip box. joystick. The box inside. had a few things and some cocoa magazines too. Yeah, even some Tandy label, Tandy branded floppy disks in here too. Like you can see the yeah. jacket there, and the old style and the new style. So maybe add some cocoa stuff in there because there be? might be. Because uh... honestly, Radio Shack disks were some of the most expensive flops you could buy. Um, and you didn't really gain anything for spending that extra money. So, But actually,
6: living in Canada, hmm. um, if you had to order them through, like if you lived somewhere like I did, you either had to order them through, through another store or buy them at Radio Shack. So you either had mm-hmm. to wait five or six days. Oh, no, I just went them.
4: to the Apple store. Or the- oh,
6: see, we didn't <laughs> have that. We had a Radio Shack, yeah. and then we had outlet places. So. Uh, hmm. Really you could good. buy it today at Radio Shack, or you could buy it for next week from Sears. Or That makes sense, then. Right.
0: Across yeah. the alley from my Burger King job. Hey. Because just...
6: every every town just seemed like in uh, Canada had a Radio Shack just about.
4: <laughs> yeah. On SAS we had five that I know of, plus a computer center. But we also had Apple II stores and Commodore stores and stuff, too. We eventually
6: so... got an Apple II store, but... When I, was, when I first got my, tan, my uh, TRS computer, um, we only had a Radio Shack. Otherwise, it was mail order for everything else. We yeah. made
9: a lot of flippies.
4: Yep, the whole punch. I yeah. mean, I did have some Radio Shack discs. And like you, sometimes if the other stores were out of stock, then I would run over to Radio Shack if I really needed a disc right now. And I do remember when I bought my disc drive for $800 Canadian uh, with the cartridge controller, uh, they included one free disc. So I saved five bucks there.
6: A whole free disc, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It was
0: nicely packaged, wasn't it? Little plastic slipcover thing.
6: Yeah. Well, I know for the um, when I had access to the Apple II computer from my mom, all my offsite backup games were made on Tandy discs because that was the most convenient for me to get.
4: Yeah, and they were decent quality. They weren't like terrible quality. There was definitely brands I bought that I had way more trouble with than Tandy ones. They were just so overpriced was the only. Issue. Do, do like you, guys, you said, if that's what you had.
9: Do you guys think that uh, floppy drives and, and floppies were like over engineered because, you know, it's 40 some years and they're still working?
4: Not all of them are. That's <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> David when he, he recovered that source code for ice hockey uh, when it made no. hideous noises in his floppy drive.
9: <laughs> I don't have a, a floppy drive that ever quit or was dirt too dirty, did not work or.
0: All of mine work. They can work for a very long time.
9: Yeah,
4: I've got one or two floppy drives, five and a quarters that are dead. And the original, was it the tech brand, the full height with that pushable slot thing button to open the drive? Those were crap. That was actually giving me trouble already by the late 80s.
0: (laughs) Those were actually called disc cruncher drives because they gave you trouble from the late eight minutes.
4: Yeah, those were not good quality drives. I'm glad Tandy switched them out for Tandons, I think, later on when they bought the 40-track full heights, and then they switched to the half heights after that, which were pretty reliable. I've, I've still got some of the, several of those running. But that original tech drive, actually, once I bought a a, a Tandon drive, I got rid of it because it was already giving me problems corrupting directories. And it wasn't the 1.0 ROM problem because I upgraded to 1.1 and still corrupted drive images all the time, or images, but disks. It was just a piece of crap. <laughs> also, it well, didn't run at six milliseconds. only ran up to 20. as this fast yeah. speed, so... <laughs>
9: We enjoyed it when ADOS came out because then they, we could use the drives
4: that read both sides. Yeah, without having to flip it. Yep. But then you'd lend the disc to a friend and they couldn't read it because they didn't have the same type of drive or ADOS. So it kind of caused some problems, too. <laughs>
9: well, all of us friends shared stuff. So,
4: Well, that was the problem, though, because I we tried sharing it. But, you know, Dwayne would format a 40-track double-sided disc under ADOS. And then I would have a 40-track single-sided drive and I couldn't read it.
9: Well, you could read up to the extra, right?
4: Um, I'm trying to no, remember. If, oh, no, okay. no it was sectors, alternate, no. alternate sides.
0: So if you had a Tandy cable, you couldn't work either because they stripped out the drive select as a side select. Right. And even yep. though you your single-sided drive and a double-sided drive would work, the double-sided part wouldn't work because of the Tandy cable. And so there was so much confusion from everybody about what drive would do what, when, and where, that it just
4: <clears throat> yeah the only really safe thing was keep them single-sided but maybe run 40 track or even 80 if you had drives for that because that was pretty clean but once you started getting the sides like those three missing pins on the connector that tandy had yeah there was all kinds of issues if you were swapping to side stuff where you know i'd run to dwayne's fine come here run it it would give me a, a, no a fm air aware because it couldn't read it because there's no second side and it was a pin he has
9: good thing david land's not here
4: Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll be going for another three hours on that alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, next up, uh, Master Geek BR, which stands for Brazil, and this is in Portuguese, uh, uploaded a video of him re- recreating the very first program he created in BASIC for a CP400 that he wrote when he was only 9 or 10 years old, which is just a you know simple little graphics demo. Which I'll play a little tiny bit of a clip here just so you
12: can see what it does. Fala, gente. Seja bem-vindo. Hoje, um vídeo muito, mas muito especial para mim. É o seguinte.
4: Anyway, I mean, you, you could take a look and you go, do you really need to see six and a half minutes of, of watching circles draw? And actually, the, the more interesting part of the video for me is not the fact he recreated this, this program he did, but he actually shows the actual uh, parts of the manual for the CP400, which is quite different than the Coco uh, manuals. I don't know if I can find.
9: And not because of language.
4: No. Yeah, so here's kind of going through a little bit of the manual. I thought he did a zoom up over here. He's talking about the 8 guy with some of the basic stuff. Because basically this video is about, you know, learning basic for the first time when you're a young kid type thing. And I went through this myself. but. Uh...
9: Well, this machine came out after ours did, right? Yes. Yeah. So they had a chance to
4: do better on the manuals if they could? I can't remember why he has Elon Musk in here. Though Elon, <laughs> you know, famously, <laughs> his very first published thing was a basic program, a basic game in some magazine he was like 14. Uh, maybe it was the second video he did that had that. Anyway, he kind of goes through the history of, of learning basic, et cetera. So that was pretty cool. And you can turn on the auto-translation in Google and get, you know, mostly English. Next up, Glenn Healer, who's at Coco Fest. And, of course, he's done most of the uh, awesome transcodes we've seen, um, like Pac-Man and Joust and Defender and Robotron, et cetera. So he did a weblog here because when he went to Cocoa Fest, he actually visited Mark Marlett at Cloud9 and got a 2-meg RAM upgrade installed. And then he also went to Frank and got a couple 609s put in his Cocoa 3s as well. So now he's got a 512K Cocoa 3, 609, and a 2-meg one. So he said, you know, i got to learn how to use this 2-meg thing because obviously some of the MMU registers and stuff are a little bit different. So what does he do Is his first test? He does a Cocoa 3 memory test. Now, there are existing ones out there that will actually do up to 8-meg. This only does up to 2-meg because he's not quite sure how the 8-meg one works. Um, but this was to him to learn how to program it, not just to test the RAM. So he just, you know, that was his, his deciding project for doing it. And it goes through from fairly extensive stuff. Now he mentions here that's based on MemTest eighty six plus. Now, if I remember correctly, that was an actual PC one that yes, was meant. I use to... it regularly. Yeah, and I think I still have it. it. Even had a special boot disk, if I remember. Not even formatted was normally. Still to...
11: Widely used and is. You know, there's versions for Mac and Linux, and yeah, that's there's source code and all kinds of cool stuff for that guy out there.
4: Yeah, and it doesn't just you know check and you write something and read it back. It does bit shifts and coming around from you know coming from back memory to forward memory and forward to back, etc. It does a whole range of stuff uh, to check to make sure that everything doesn't have any little outside cases that where it's not going to work reliably. So it's a very extensive. And I like the fact he actually detects if it has 6 through 9. He kicks in native mode. He stack blasts some of the tests here to speed it up. So he's trying to get it to run as fast as possible. I don't know if all the other ones I've seen actually go to that extent. So he's kind of learning a little bit about his 6 through 9. He was learning, you know, how to access 2 mega RAM. Um, So he he learned a lot going through it. And he actually you know, has it available for download if you want to try his particular one. I know there's that famous one by... um, uh, what's his name? Richard Godekin? was that the guy that did the eight meg one? Yeah, Coco stress. Oh. Yeah, does does he do all these bit shift tests and all that kind of stuff too on that one? A bit fade and all that kind of thing, or has he done well more basic tests? I can't bunch remember. Of them,
11: but I don't know everything that he's got in that code.
4: Okay. Now James Jones just mentioned in the chatter. He says Memtest86 plus isn't for Windows, Mac or Linux. It boots up by itself and doesn't count on any OS being there, which is what I remembered. That it's a custom formatted disk I I think the last one I used has like a free DOS uh, boot but yeah maybe custom
0: that's to get yeah the disk to work long enough to load the program I'm sure
4: yeah I mean honestly for Coco if you want a completely reliable one you should get that one we covered months ago
12: which actually has a little ROM this info one oh no that that doesn't do memory tests no wrong one don't worry
4: okay
0: or this project
4: yeah yeah and if you want to actually get the project itself, you go to uh, norman 9999 or sorry, 999. Um, on GitHub, that's uh, Glenn Hewlett's own, and he's actually got the disk image there. You can just download and then transfer it to an STC, et cetera. And he's got the assembly language source code up there. He's got, uh, you know, readme files. To going. It yeah, so... Like I said, it won't it won't do eight meg machines or sixteen meg or any the you know the higher end ones that uh, there are some options like um Ed Snyder does have an eight meg option that he sells as uh, a possible bundle with the gaming X as well as a two meg board. So it doesn't test that, but if most people just go to two meg. Eight meg is probably just for us always nine nut cases. Yeah, and uh, for the most part. Anyway, oh. well documented, so you can give it a shot, including the source code. This is uh, showing some of David Craker's stuff that he posted about his uh, DICOM adapter we just talked to him about that he posted on our Discord. This actually has some of the pinouts. You can see where it's connecting to the serial connector and to the joystick connector. Um, Some of his notes and then a kind of a nice still picture of the actual interface itself with a nine volt battery that I hope he can get rid of. (laughs) And this was a test program that he mentioned that Tim Linder had written here, a kind of a hybrid of basic and machine language. And basically it records the X and Y coordinates that it detects that you aimed at the screen and shot and clicked the button on the, the trigger button on the actual gun itself. And anything that has zero zero basically means it's completely off screen. And it, you know, basically don't count that shot at all. So that's when he actually got it working after you did a few bodge wires. Next up, this one I'd not seen before. Um, so this is SGC SG six text by Jim Gary for the MC 10 SG six, of course, is the, uh, Extra mode that isn't used too often that actually does a slightly higher vertical resolution than the standard set reset graphics, but it it limits your colors to far less than the nine, including black. Um, But it does give you 64 by 48. So he's actually created um, a font basically for this that he actually demonstrates here. And of course, you can download the actual code, but you can see it's actually drawing characters in this slightly higher res mode that you can actually read. He's actually used this, this, this font in some of his other games. Um, like uh, one that's featured in the Jim Gary commercial, I think um, Fruit, Fruit Panic. Panic, yeah, uses this particular font and that particular mode, 64 by 48. And you can also see that it does some weird stuff with the cursors. You can get some vertical lines, which I know he's used on some of his like skiing games and stuff to draw trees. Next up, um, Paul Shoemaker released a quick little 30-second video showing an installation of Brendan Donahue's uh, Pi Key 10 adapter. So this is a adapter that goes into the mc10 you can combine with a coco vga if you want and it actually has rooted power and reset switches you can get to them much easier it has the uh two joystick ports i think those are for um i think when you click digital joystick ports that
11: basically push the keyboard keys
4: yeah yeah basically so you basically have a a, a digital style joystick based on you know the common keys that are used for mc10 games which we've shown uh, videos of that in before too um, but this basically lets you use you know, modern keyboards hooked up, which this is what this cable here is going for. So I'll just play the video and kind of demonstrate it We're looking, And the funny thing is it actually enables both keyboards at the same time. So you can type on the MC10 keyboard at the exact same time you're typing in on the modern keyboard. I think he just demonstrates them sequentially, but basically they both work simultaneously.
12: This needs a real-time clock. <laughs>
4: They turned it on and the rerouted power. That switch.
12: helps. Wow, okay. a clicky keyboard.
4: Yep. So they can see both keyboards are working at the same time. So that's just plain old
12: cool. So you can have one hand on the left keyboard and the other hand on the right. Makes it a, a big keyboard.
0: <laughs> well, joysticks and the joystick adapters, and then you've got a
4: keyboard besides. So yeah. 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 And the two joysticks, You didn't demonstrate the joystick adapters on here, but uh or the reset switch. But yeah, that's that's pretty cool. The fact it works with the Coco VGA, so you can actually get like you know really good VG output and you know redefinable character sets and stuff that you can do. That's uh that's a pretty powerful MC ten. And with a real keyboard, which is the main thing that most people don't not like about the MC10.
12: It's a bit high. It'll keep the window open higher. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick, we're so far beyond
4: that joke now. <laughs> okay, this one is in the Dragon group on Facebook. Um, so this uh, person, I hope I pronounce this right, Kataja Kujuri. customized the Dragon sixty four a bit, as they put it. Um, so they have a sticker saying it's Y2K compliant, but I like this side. There's little wood grain surround for the keyboard, and obviously just you know cut out by hand here. But
0: he's been watching LGR, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> a
4: I mean, it too makes much. it look even more retro than it already was. You know, because the uh, Dragon 32 came out in '82. Adding the wood grain makes it look like '72 or something. Mm. Yeah. And the the case is properly yellow to almost match the wood yellow, grain. Yellow, yeah,
12: very yellow. <laughs> <laughs> just
11: needs like, orange carpet and a green couch.
4: Yeah, and some carpet on the walls. That's the other thing it needs. Um, But definitely, it it makes a Dragon 32 look even more retro than it already is, which I thought was cool.
12: Yeah. Right? Because Dragon 32s are a little bit yellow to start with, as opposed to the 64s. Yeah, and they definitely
4: did yellow over time. Yeah. Uh, Worse, so. Uh, Next up after that... Uh, Julian Brown posts an update to his online 6809 emulator, including multiple bug fixes, although he still has a list of other ones he still has to fix. Um, but this is the actual online emulator, so you can actually watch like register dumps and code changes and stuff. As you're running, you can add labels and actually you're running it literally in your web browser, um, kind of like tracking through. You can see there's a green button in the bottom right here, assemble source code. So You can punch in your own if you want to try it. And as I mentioned, there's still some bugs he's fixing, right. though he's fixed quite a few already. But this would be nice if you just want to do a quick little routine, not have to boot up the actual Coco or um, Dragon or whatever to try it. You can actually just hop on there and just quickly type in some nine code and see what, what the output is. Like, you know, did the carry bit get set if I do this particular thing or or whatever you're trying to test.
12: That'd be good for tutorials, too. Look, have little programs. Yeah, because you, you can
4: literally watch the registers change and yeah. single step through as you're going. So like if i don't appear uh yeah you like can hear I'm seeing people stepping through and you can actually watch what what part of the code it's in Now it's doing a jsr now the stack has changed from 8000 to 7 FFE, to push the you know pc return address onto the stack and et cetera, et cetera et cetera so it's actually a pretty good for doing tutorials like you said nick or just if you need to test something quick to say uh, yeah, does that little... flag get set the way I think it does if I do this math function or whatever type of thing or a certain branch? Is it getting triggered properly? Um, especially if we are going between signed and unsigned. Yeah, I might forget. So and once, once it bugs out of this, I think I will start using this a little bit, actually. Because there's something every once in a while, like I have to like I do it right now in Nitrous 9, I'll boot it up and I have a little test.asm that I have kicking around that I always do little routines in. But I have to boot Nitrous 9 and then run the assembler on it. And here it's just instantaneous on a web browser, so... And very well presented, I might add.
12: Yeah, now it is well laid out.
11: So, so he, this is also a, a project rescue. So there has been this thing, this 6809 emulator for several years, up on 6809.org.uk. And I kept running into it every time I was trying to get to 60's website for X-Roar stuff. But this, it's not related to Sixty. It's just someone else had built this thing. But what Julian had noticed was that the domain was getting ready to expire and that it has stopped being updated. And so what he's trying to do is get a hold of the folks who built this originally and and offer to, you know, keep it going and, and stuff like that. And he's basically mirroring it before it disappears. And as he was mirroring it, he found that there were some places that he could start even, you know, contributing some updates and some patches and things like that. So um, you know, if uh, if you're out there, uh, original creators of this emulator, um, as you can tell now, hopefully the, the, this is actually a, a pretty cool tool, and people do use and appreciate it. And uh, we'd like to hear from you, and we'd like to uh, you know keep this alive.
4: Yeah, I agree. Hmm. I didn't know that whole backstory, so that's cool.
11: They're, it's hiding in one of the channels on the Discord um, as, as they were posting updates to getting this going and, and where the, the GitHub and things like that is. I believe it's in the Assembly channel. Um, and, and like I said, I keep running into the site over and over again looking for you know, 6809 Assembler. You know, I'm trying to get check the version of 6C's Assembler, for example. I end up going to this site instead. So, but well, this, this is the new one at UK dragons. Uh, I was the, the original one is the one I kept running into accidentally.
4: Yeah. Brian so Walsh comments here and he's mentioning like, changed. sorry, good. The presentation
11: has not been changed. It's been like this the whole time where you just put your code in and uh, walk through it. So, yeah. Okay.
4: Like Brian Walsh is pointing out here. He said the carry bit set to four. And, cause you have a look at the CC register here on the left. You've got the entire flag, the fast inner flag that half carried, blah, blah, blah. But he's got not just the bit being on or off, he's got eight, four. So I think the actual eight, four is the hexadecimal. So basically the high bit, the entire flag set, because they about to do an RTS. Uh, and then, you know, bit, whether it be bit three, bit two, different going base zero flag set. I think this is actually the raw hex. So that's one of the bugs to still fixes that it has to break that hex no, yeah. value apart to each of the individual the binary. bit. Flags. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, when they both posted about, it, they did mention they'd fixed like five or six bugs recently, and there's a list of at least three or four more they know they have to fix and possibly others as they, you yeah, know, as more people test it.
12: But yeah, I really yeah. like the presentation of this. It's a good one. Yeah. What's down below? It scrolls down. Uh, memory watch points, no, uh, the, what the tech screen currently looks like. Screen, yeah. Yeah.
4: No, I think this is only Cocoa One and Two because it's, or sorry, Dragon, basically. So it's Cocoa One and Two, but not. Cocoa 3 stuff.
12: Yeah, there's a link
11: to the original at the at the bottom as well. So, But yeah, it does show you the graphic screen and everything. Yeah,
12: so you could actually write a bit of code and then not only see it running the code, but see it what it looked like on the screen if you're... And that I would really it. like
4: because that would help me with some of the Nitro 9 stuff I've been doing because right now, you know, it's rendering to a screen that's not the current display screen in MAME, for example. You know, I'm double buffering, so I'm displaying screen buffer one. I'm writing stuff, you know, for Rescue on Fractal, something on screen buffer two, but I can't actually see the damn thing to see what it's actually updating. And this this might allow you to get around that. I'm not sure. But if you can yeah. specify just the start address to where the screen is, then I can tell it to look at a different screen than actually is being displayed. That looks really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully they get the, the new person on it actually can keep it going. And hopefully, they do get a hold of the original author. And yeah, maybe he will join back in. Uh, next up, another from David Mitchell of Davies Retro Corner. Uh, this one's called 3D, and this one here is uh, another one uh, originally for the Dragon 32, that he's retyped in for by Dr. Tim Langdell from the book 35 programs for the Dragon 32, which was actually one of the game ones he covered earlier. Same book. Um, this is basically one of those, you know, standard use sine and cosine to draw, you know, fancy 3D ish look shapes, so that is it's quite slow. Um, so I'll just fast forward you can kind of see the finished product. It's kind of just doing the 3D, you know, not quite the hat one, but similar. And that's it for the news this week. Hey, David Ladd's on the call. Where'd you come from? Oh
12: no.
6: It's because <laughs> we spoke too much about floppy drives. Your floppy disk, no,
2: don't wake him dude, up. You, and dream.
4: My... you got me. <laughs> <laughs> you said my name too many times, so I appeared.
12: What was the second wor- word we put up following it? <laughs> yeah,
4: there's some adjectives and adverbs we added here where we didn't think it would That's be Yeah. Right. <laughs>
12: you missed that out you missed out on our floppy talk uh David luckily
9: <laughs> for us oh but I can start it up if you like
12: oh no please <laughs> no, please no. R- roll the end credits
0: <laughs> Mark's gone we're trapped <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, to be honest, the show actually went longer than I was expecting because I, uh, you know, I wasn't sure how long David was going to be available, um, and there was quite a bit to talk about there. So I don't know if we want to keep going for a little bit longer or just call the show because it's what been three and a half hours ready. But I would like mm-hmm. to thank uh, Mark Overholzer for um, hosting it because uh, Mark, mostly our regular streamer, was not able to make it, and uh, there's a couple little glitches here at the beginning and stuff here, but uh, it's it's. Complicated getting all this stuff up and running. And, uh, he did a great job. Yeah, I think he worked out some of the you know the glitches here as as the show went on, too. So right, right.
11: And it means that uh he's got no more excuses for <laughs> starting and running his show idea, which has been building up a backlog of things for quite a while now. So now yeah, Ken
4: and I are supposed to do an episode of that fairly soon too, so what do you huh, say,
6: what, Mark? What, huh? I heard my name. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're committed. Too late. Yeah,
4: ah, crap. Okay. Your oh, schedule. Oh. Just have it all ready by then. We won't tell you what till we get there. But all right, go back to sleep. <laughs> See, this is why Nick uh he always leaves his uh you know, his avatar up because he can sleep and we won't even know if he mutes it. That's right, yeah. We know. We
11: just ask, say Nick, every now and then, and whether yeah, and then
12: he, he doesn't show up for five minutes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but but just mention the word neutroid, and uh, I'll be straight back.
11: Or Vegemite. There's a whole dictionary of Nick wake-up calls. <laughs>
12: I, think I put Vegemite on a par a with surgery. neutroid. I would I would
4: say that's an acceptable term
12: do have the sound effects for neutroid uh the new one if you want to hear them, well i haven't got it in the, the program i just got the original wav file so you can hear what's coming do you want like, to hear so
4: this is like a warning neutroid another warning Yeah, it's another right. version of neutroid right, project
11: project updates and acquisitions
9: why not give it to us
12: they're, they're just sound effects so um still got to massage them into the into the program but uh I'll just see if I have got it easily available but keep talking I'll see if I can where's my mute
6: button again <laughs> <laughs> hurry up in the show before it's
8: too late
0: Yeah. here's my original acquisition I found this in a workbook my Radio Shack daily color
12: I got one of those Yeah. Oh, yeah. how good,
0: many though. people still have one of these I do <laughs> Oh, I and inductors.
4: Right. Yours <laughs> looks well used, I must say. Yeah, yeah. Used, uh, uh, yep.
0: I eventually I memorized that. all this crap, but uh, it took a while.
9: <laughs> yeah, that was great, guys. So that's what that looks like in your memory.
0: No, this is, this is what <laughs> it looks like in life. In my memory, it's still nice and bright. Oh. And uh, $0.39 <laughs> cents was still a meaningful amount of money.
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
10: now yeah, or one of is one of the new uh,
12: neutroid sound effects. Is it wah wah wah?
4: wah?
12: Uh, uh tell me if you can hear this. I'll just... maybe some retching. Hang on. I've got to. A... Did you hear that? Nope. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I I haven't shared, so Sounds
4: great. Yeah. Yeah. Silent. Huge improvement over the version we played
12: on the challenge recently. Yeah. <laughs>
11: That was the sound of the empty RAM where the effect has been oh, not loaded yet.
12: Yeah, and no, I'll wait till I get it put in the game first rather than try to fiddle with it the other way.
4: Yeah, you, you can you can always inflict it on us later. So,
12: Yeah, no, we'll leave it for next time.
4: But yeah, I'm going to try to line up. But like, I've still got to get some uh, full-blown interviews going. There's a few people that need to do that. And I also didn't want to try to get some of the people that were exhibiting new stuff at the, the fest to come on and you know, kind of discuss their products and, you know, what they have available that some people might've missed if, Like me, they didn't make it to every table. Well, I got Flutterball. Um, that's the only other one I had listed besides David. So, cause I, I didn't get to half a table, so I don't even know what the heck was out there. Like I said, Rick and Deke and uh, Henry Strickland, I'd like to get them or any combination thereof of them together to talk about some of the networking stuff you guys were fiddling with.
0: Right, because we never got that out during the actual fest. It was like Sunday afternoon. Everything kind of came together. So, uh,
12: yeah, it would be good. Uh, s- speaking of network stuff, how uh, Rick uh, how how's your network card going? Is it available now?
0: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm cranking it website. back out again. I've ran out yeah. temporarily, but I've. Uh, I'm not on any. I've been soldering all week, guys. I'm finally caught up from the Cocoa Fest, I think, and can go back to the projects I was doing before the Cocoa Fest. Right. So we'll see some more uh, Orc 180 and multi and things. Because
12: <laughs> and the network interface is working um, properly. Uh, like you ha- I remember, you had problems with it.
0: There, there are, ex- there are exceptions. 86 Gimme with the dynamic RAM doesn't work. All right, um, I've got a protector. I haven't got to plug it in yet because all of the other things I've had to get done. I want to see how that works because there was originally a time when that was a problem.
12: Yeah, so, well, I've, that's what I've got. So,
0: <laughs> so uh, I, I will know pretty soon. Like I say, I just kind of. <laughs> yeah, Ooh,
12: yeah,
11: that will be nice because cuz mine has a protector in it as well and and that may have been part of my original flailing with that thing.
0: Yeah there's
12: Yeah, right, yeah, right. I, th- I think I've got problems too. Yeah, so
0: cuz I I'm kind of thinking these chips, the Wiznet, the uh what's the other thing that's blowing up right now? Um, in any case, they're fast chip. Oh, the STC itself. They're fast chips pretending to be slower. And I wonder if sometimes we're exceeding expectations a little bit with the 6309, et cetera. And uh that's where the dynamic RAM versus static RAM versus Gimme yeah,
12: slips of gear is. somewhere. Yeah. Right. I wonder if the protector, because it 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 buffers the um the address lines, doesn't it? from the C buffer's every and dang it, thing. So I'm wondering Reed, if that's causing problems with uh, read right interrupts,
0: you name it. It's buffered. <laughs> so yeah, because
12: I do could, I'm seeing uh the, the glitches on the screen now since I put that put that in. So it I think it is causing problems. It'd be good if there's a way you can put a jumper in just to stop stop that buffering. Well
0: there's there's no no such thing as a zero nanosecond buffer so yeah. It's all oh, right. What can you get away with and what can't you and what can we yeah. get away with? I think he's making assumptions. If I'm fast enough, the 60X09 will never see it and the old LS chips will never see it. But yeah. what about when you have a fast chip on the outside of the bus that can see that difference in yeah, timing? Yeah,
12: that well, that's yeah, because I've got a 6309, yeah.
0: Well, because so. Running a Wiznet or the SDCs running whatever Atmel chip, those are much faster than the, the. They can see the difference in the buffer delay.
12: Yeah.
0: On like the so cart, the interrupt line, and so forth, and I wonder if that's somehow biting us both.
9: Rick, Rick,
12: yeah. Yeah, yeah if, yeah, if you too. get the
0: buffer out, you're you're gold. But
12: yeah, it's the buffer. It's the protector part of it. Yeah.
9: Rick, how does the um, buffer uh work to save the CPU from getting broken? Like
12: it if you blows uh, up. it blows up first.
9: <laughs> oh, okay. So in other words, you're, so your CPU so your is fine, but uh all those the little chip itself explodes, but it's
12: okay. it, it's almost uh better just to have uh to buy a, a few six three oh nines as a spare to a six three oh nine, just whacking another one.
9: Well, what's the whole idea of why do you have
12: it, then? Well, well it's the when plugging you're... in cartridges. Yeah.
11: And, right. And yeah. the protector also has the extra address lines for more than 512K.
12: Well, that was the part I wanted, really. That's the only part I want for the 2 meg. Right.
0: The so
12: my... rest, rest of the buffering is, uh, seems to be causing problems.
9: I, I've never mm-hmm. seen any kind of problem with mine, and I have the b- buffer thing in there. Uh, m- mine works fine. No, it it's not.
12: just I do no. see the glitches, the little sparklies when I'm using a, uh, uh, a, a gimme graphics mode. You, you do see sparklies, and it sometimes doesn't reset properly. I have to hit reset a few times. Yeah. But during operation, it works okay. I mean, it, it runs Nitrous Nine, so you know that was one area I was hoping it would crash. But
0: <laughs> well, no. well, now so, they found a way for the SDC to crash Nitrous Nine.
4: Well, that's the firmware which, update,
0: which I yeah, think is yeah. well. I think we're related. Something the firmware is doing is exceeding the, you know, we're exceeding expectations of the delay Something, that yeah. the Atmel chip in yeah. the SDC expects to see. Some manner. I think we're yeah, all We finding, we
4: haven't changed that the driver for the SDC and like since made right. a four or three or no, two or no. something like that. So it's think, it's been I fine until that firmware.
0: We're all stumbling into the same hole, is what I'm saying here. And uh if we figure out one of them, we'll probably figure out
12: all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. will wait and see.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, I have other pro- projects to work on, much like the uh the software guys.
12: Mm -hmm. And remember, just go to sleep, wake up in the morning, and you'll solve your problem.
9: Hey, guys, uh, I got a um, speech and sound uh, pack at the uh, show. And the manual is kind of thick, and it has, uh, like, another language on the back part. And um, the guy that sold it to me was saying that it's bilingual or whatever. Oh, cool. Is that like a rare one or what?
0: Does it actually speak French or is it just i I'm not
9: not sure. Hmm. I have it, but I haven't looked at it, you know, closely. That would be
0: really cool
9: if it has...
12: Is that the Tandy one? Sound and speech pack?
9: Well, hang on. I'll go get it. Hang on. Okay. Hang on. I I saw that. (laughs) But keep talking and I'll, I'll be back
12: i get it swearing in uh some other language right because
0: I, I saw the bilingual but is that just the manual or does it actually have phonemes in there to
12: i would have thought it's uh the manual yeah yeah i would guess it might be the
4: quebec one or something yeah That's yeah
0: right because you can't yeah. sell anything in quebec if it, hasn't it doesn't it doesn't have french
4: yeah yeah no
0: just Quebec. <laughs>
4: Well, nowadays we pretty often both languages on a pretty well everything, but yeah, back back then I don't think it was quite as strict, or maybe I'm remembering wrong.
12: But anyway, the uh, sound and speech pack—the uh, speech on that is pretty hard to understand. Anyway, so you don't know. Yeah, it, it wasn't could be talking. Back. Right, right. it could just... be any any language you want. You? <laughs> it could be Greek right now, after <laughs> all. That's yeah. right. If you don't understand it, yeah, okay, it's bilingual. It's either English or it's stupid.
4: Well, I think it tells you something that the deluxe color computer had the AY sound chip from the sound speech back. They did not put the speech chip into the deluxe.
12: Yeah, no, that would have been good. But yeah. Yeah. Why why didn't Tandy do this?
4: So Ron, as we're Ron. waiting for Ron, does anybody else have any last things they want to mention? Or are we just going to take a look at this manual and then we'll call it a show?
12: Yep, I'd say so. I can play a game of... uh...
4: I know Ken's just fighting to stay awake as long enough to make it through the show tail end here, and he's he's almost failing at this point, so we better hurry up. Why
12: don't you just start playing that Neutroid video again?
4: (laughs) Actually, there you go, Ken. If you start playing Neutroid, you get so flustered and mad you'll be wide awake in seconds.
6: (laughs) Or I'll be out like a light in seconds
12: from boredom.
4: Oh, I thought from banging your head against the table from the gameplay.
12: (laughs) We can listen to David's uh, floppy talk.
4: Uh, no, we don't have another six up. hours.
9: <laughs> hey, here we go. He dramatic reading of a sector of a
6: floppy
4: disk.
6: <laughs> sector- and actually, Curtis, I'm not fighting to stay awake. I'm fighting to wake up after the news.
4: Oh well, that's mm-hmm. that's expected. That's normal.
12: <laughs> okay, here we go. Here's one. Okay,
9: it says. Uh, Let's see. um, Well, first of all, let's see. Let me get rid of the. The one, yeah. Let me get rid of the background. Okay, so. No,
2: he
0: found
12: uh... the heat. (laughs) (laughs) He ran from the garage. Okay, right. (laughs) I don't know. I remember that manual, yeah. Oh, that is a thick one, right. although, yeah. It's upside down. It is,
0: yeah, <laughs> quadra language.
12: <laughs> it says, oh, look, it's English. It's English now. That's, that's pretty heavy. That is a thick manual. Yeah.
4: Yeah. There's right. the. Is that French or is it? Spanish? That's French. That's yeah. French cartouche. French. Yeah.
9: yeah. Yeah. And um, it says on the car cartridge, uh, twenty-six thirty-one forty-four A. Number D E space M O D E L E. Made in Korea. And then it says it in French.
11: Yeah, that looks like it's the regular speech sound pack that was also uh, labeled manual
12: sold
9: in
11: Quebec.
12: Yeah, but the manual is uh in dual yeah, language. Yeah, it's double
4: sided where you flip it over and it's a French manual. That's that's Canadian. Yeah.
12: Manual. I don't know if you can see.
4: Yeah, distributed in Canada as it even says there.
9: Yeah. So um, I'm just wondering, does it have uh, two ROMs in it or a big ROM? Or probably
4: not. I, I would say it just probably has the original ROM. Because basically yeah. you oh, program by, what is it called? Uh, phonemes. Output. Yeah.
12: Phonemes, yeah. The phonemes aren't in the ROM, are they? They're in the uh, speech. No, that's, that's so what on.
0: you send the cart. So I guess you could do any language. If yeah, because you
9: basically right. just pick the sounds, uh,
4: pronounce whatever.
9: So so okay. this, this... um model number 3144a is that's
11: common famous. okay that's the regular one all
9: right yeah tim linder has a,
11: a really great site on the speech sound pack that includes all the stuff that goes on inside of it so mm-hmm. there's a speech chip that contains the allophones that are the actual recreation of the the voice parts and then there's a ROM that does the text to speech conversion, conversion using yeah. a yeah. very very interesting algorithm uh I think it was developed like by the navy or something hmm. that um can do a pretty good job of text to speech in a very small footprint of code.
13: Yeah. yeah.
4: Cool.
12: Okay, I think that wraps up for
4: today's show, then. Or unless Nick wants to paddle on more. Go ahead.
12: I was just going to say either way, it sounds like a Dalek from Doctor Who. Yeah.
11: Some of us think that's a benefit.
12: (laughs) Yeah, I guess.
4: (laughs) Yeah, if you're writing a Doctor Who game, it's perfect.
11: Every game that has robots as bad guys should be using the speech back.
4: Yeah, better than the uh, Spectral Associates Android, like Intuida, Owut, (laughs) Intuida, (laughs) <laughs>
6: exterminate
13: Nick, exterminate I re- Nick.
9: I read in the booklet that it has a uh, p- processor in it. Correct.
4: Yeah, a PIC yeah. chip or whatever it is.
13: Yeah, it's like a
9: PIC
11: like 1600 microcontroller. or 700 something, one of those. It's the General Instruments reference design There's
14: and General three.
11: Instruments made both the microcontroller and the speech part and the synth chip. So it is kind of yeah. like Here's your whole everything. Now, on the Cocoa, since we already have a much better processor in the thing, we could have gotten without the, the the pick, and the card would have been a much more usable card, because then you wouldn't yeah,
4: have... Simon hates that thing. But there's a
11: good <laughs> reason for it, because you have to sit on that one status bit and pull it, and that is the slowest thing ever, because it only comes back once it's done with the Aliphone generation. So once it's actually finished speaking the Aliphone, it will say, okay, you can send anything else rather than, okay, fire off some Aliphone code and then hammer the synth chip all day along and then put the next Aliphone code in when that thing is done speaking. Is that
9: processor faster than the 6809? Heck no. No.
4: No, no, not even close. Oh,
0: uh, it's not
9: even in the same decade. Well, what was their thinking? They're
0: thinking they like, it was, was the reference.
9: Pack,
11: <laughs> and these are the people who make all that stuff, and this is how they say they should do it. So we built that and shipped it out according okay. to their design. And their design was a reference design, not one that you were going to use for your know, hardcore game development or business application development or anything. Okay. It's a reference design. Actually like, it works right it much works. like the Coco 3 motherboard. And there's one saving grace in the speech sound pack that uh I think people uh, it, it has eight buffers and some RAM so yeah. that you can reload uh both speech pieces and instructions to Damn. the sensor. Yeah. So if you've got eight common sound clips that you need to run, like your bullet effect or whatever, you can use the buffer and you just send a simple command that says rerun this buffer. And that generally goes a lot better for you. You still yeah, have yeah. huge, horrible delays. It's best to put this stuff in the background and just use it only if you have to, but the buffers do kind of offset some of the horror of trying to get commands into the thing. Cause you can preload a bunch of them and just say run buffer eight
2: and so then, did anybody yeah, pick
9: that is. with
2: a with a newer sound?
4: No,
9: player? no. It's not the sound chip.
4: Oh, yeah, they correct. buy. They don't have that stupid pick chip that oh, slows everything pick down in between. All right.
11: Yeah. yeah. Everything on the speech sound pack has to go through commands to that pick chip. Okay. And then the pick chip basically controls the rest of the card, and it's that pick chip you have to wait for.
4: Yeah, and if I remember correctly, the. the uh... The deluxe Coco, I don't think had the pick chip. I think it Correct. just had the sound chip. It was chip. just no, the AI no.
12: sitting in their So they
4: even realized it was a mistake after the fact, uh, but they never corrected the. The cartridge. good thing
12: about the that cartridge though is the fact that you could do it from BASIC. Once you set up all those buffers and whatever, it's it's actually easy to use the cartridge from a BASIC program.
4: Yeah, so,
12: but yeah, the speech anything. stuff, the
4: sound stuff's a little bit more complicated, but the uh, the speech yeah, stuff is quite but, easy.
12: That's right. But when you're writing a, say, a, a game, a commercial game, and uh, you don't want all those delays and, and things in there, you want to be able to write to the hardware directly and get things working you know exactly when you want them to. Because yeah. uh, there's literally only a picture. couple of
4: games that really use that card well. Uh, Pitfall 2, I think, is probably the best one. In, yeah, the Inter- for Bank the incident. sound.
12: Yeah. Everything else uses the. Well, uh, no, the Pitfall voice 2 actually game,
4: did, did the background music too, like multi voice music running and sound effects
12: but it doesn't use the voice though, does it?
4: Um, I don't think so. Gone did. I can't remember if pitfall two did. Cause it'd Uga oh, yeah. or whatever the heck when you, you know, Oh, sorry, okay.
12: Yeah. yeah. Which actually works out good. Cause it doesn't matter if you didn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. It's meant to be a foreign language anyways. Who cares? Exactly.
12: Well, thanks <laughs> for letting me extend the show just a little longer.
4: Yeah. <laughs> shooting for that four hour mark now. Thanks Ron.
12: You're welcome. Okay. Now, now, now for David Ladd, and this is where I hang up.
4: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that's the show for today. I'm going to cut it off now, right? Sorry. Let's um, all sneak out. Uh, okay. Outro. Big, big thank you to Mark for uh, hosting. Uh, I'm Mark Overhoser for hosting because Mark Posley wasn't here. Um, there was a bit of glitching at the beginning, which I think mostly got fixed. So I now that you've got kind of this under your belt here, I think it'll probably get a bit easier so we can start doing the tech talks soon. Right. Beauty. Bye. Bye. See you all next week. Bye. This concludes another episode of The
3: Coco Nation, the world's leading live interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things The Coco Nation, visit us on the web at thecoconation.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to show at thecoconation.com. The Coco Nation show would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. The Coco Nation theme song
1: copyright 2022 D. Bruce Moore. Mixed, mastered and produced by D. Bruce Moore. The Coco Nation
6: is over. Join
9: us on the Coco Discord
12: server.
9: Coco Forever.
12: It'll oh, <laughs> take uh, like man
9: one? one. Replay the
0: first time. Yeah.
9: It takes a while to rewind it. <laughs>
2: it's
5: 35 minutes in, Nick. You can Bye. Right, Bye. Everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye everybody.
2: <laughs> See you Bye. next week. Bye.